Two guys say they will show the world Bigfoot's body today. The video, it's a little rough. They say they found the creature in North Georgia. They say it's seven feet, seven inches, weighs more than four, excuse me, 500 pounds. That's the clip of their video, again, a little rough. CNN radio reporter Ed McCarthy is covering this story. He joins us now live from the CNN.com control room. Ed, nice to see you. Uh, tell us about the two guys that say they have found the elusive Bigfoot. Well, one is a police officer from Georgia, and the other one is a former corrections officer. So whether or not they really have Bigfoot, we'll have to find out. One of the things that skeptics are so concerned about today in Palo Alto, California, when they have that news conference, there won't be a body. So show me the body is what everybody says. And uh, they do have pictures, of course. They say they'll have DNA evidence. Whether or not it is Bigfoot or Sasquatch, as we commonly refer to them, yeah. we'll have to find out. We'll wait and see. They've got everything all trademarked already, so they want to make sure that nobody else can hone in on this. Uh, but, you know, you look at the picture and you really can't tell. Uh, you can't tell definitively whether or not this would be Bigfoot. We have seen those distant, hazy photos all the time on uh, television shows and people uh, claiming to have seen and photographed Bigfoot. Uh, if this uh, is the case, I'm sure that uh, the experts want to see, they want to see it in the flesh, so to speak, to, to make sure that Bigfoot is the real deal. How do you think Ed McCarthy looks? I don't know. You know what he looked like? He looked a little bit like uh, Ed McCarthy. So that was seen the radio correspondent Ed McCarthy there on CNN television over the weekend talking about uh, Bigfoot. And so I was just saying that, I mean, no, no offense or disrespect to Ed McCarthy, we love. But he did look like he just came from playing 18 holes on a golf course on the sun. Because he's all sweaty and his hair's all askew. Was and he wearing some kind of like Hawaiian pattern shirt? No, he, but it was like a, sort of like a gray golf shirt. It may in fact have been like a CNN shirt, but in the golf shirt style. But it was all kind of, all kind of open and whatnot. Uh, didn't appear to be wearing any makeup. I mean, kudos to him for going the natural look. But I'm just saying he, it, he looked as though he was sort of yanked out of a steam room somewhere to come on and talk about Bigfoot. So uh, he kind of looked like, um, God, what is the guy's name? It's escaping me now. He was the. Um, he was the principal in the Breakfast Club, Paul Gleason, and then he was, uh, and then he was Mr. Beaks in Trading Places, and then he was uh, what's his guts, the police chief in Die Hard, the guy that goes, well, we're gonna have to get some new FBI guys, I guess. He kind of looks like uh, that guy, a little, little heavier, like maybe 10, 15 pounds on Paul Gleason. So there you go. Seeing a radio correspondent, Ed McCarthy, right there talking about Bigfoot, which I think uh, turned out to be a bunch of uh, bupkis. I think it turned out to be crap. So we'll have more about that. Why, hello, it is uh, 7 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of August, in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming by, making a part of your listening day. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsy. Uh, broadcasting live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. Uh, it is Monday. Welcome to Day 12. By the way, it is August, which means that the serial killer of the month is Ed Kemper. For those of you playing the serial killer home game, the answer is Ed Kemper. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. You want to join us today? 
Uh, with your comments, questions, clarifications, two cents, observations, ruminations, ponderings, musings, limericks, haiku. Scratch that. No haiku. Only limerick. Here's the thing about haiku versus limerick, and I do believe the plural of haiku is haiku. I find limericks to be the working man's poem, and I find haiku to be almost entirely used uh, by sort of uh, by sort of hipster snobs who spend a lot of time online doing Sudoku puzzles. So there you go. So for today, no haiku allowed. Uh, anyway, people who do a lot of haiku, they're the same people who sort of, uh, they sit around listening to a lot of ween. Anyway, it's 503-733-2970. want to join us today, you can also email. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. I guess my point is that I feel that the limerick, that really is the, that's the poetic structure of the people. I'm going to quit talking about that now because it's dumb. Uh, here's what's coming up later on today. CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer will uh, be joining us from the CNN Radio Center in uh, Atlanta, where I guess, as Drudge always says, hellstorm whatever is approaching someplace. Is it Florida? Always Florida. We got a lot of listeners in Florida. Uh, listener Caleb in Florida sent me an email uh, this weekend. The subject line just says, I'm about to die. So uh, I guess it's what a category green or five or fjord. Yeah, one of those. Hi, something or other. Uh, so, I don't know, Hellstorm Florence or whatever is bearing down on Florida right now. So we'll uh, talk to Amanda Moyer about that. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins back from vacation. We will speak uh, with her today about, I don't even really know, pardon me while I get a glass of water. One more. I got a little, uh, a little something. I don't know what that is. Ew. Ah. <clears throat> I think it may just be the smallest remnant of my Kellogg's meal replacement bar I had this morning, which was fantastic. Uh, so I don't really know what this thing is that happened yesterday. Some church thing uh, with John McCain and Barack Obama, and now there's already some kind of scandal about, I don't know. It, it's like some weird church jeopardy thing where, like, McCain comes in and he answers a bunch of questions. Then, like, Obama comes in and answers a bunch of questions. But now they're saying that the McCain got to hear the questions in advance or something and whatever. I don't At really church. I don't really. I don't really know. It's uh, it, it's something that uh, it's all over the political blogosphere today. But I don't understand it. So, but here's the thing: is I don't really understand most things until Lisa comes on and explains them kind of in very small words. Uh, so that'll be coming up later on today as well. Plus a uh, fantastic top five today. Top five songs whose meanings are still debated to this day. Top five songs whose meanings and lyrics uh, are still debated to this day. No Bob Dylan. Uh, let's see, what else do we have coming up? Religious Nutcase Watch. Uh, Corpse Watch coming up today. Hick Watch coming up today. Uh, not one, not two, but I think three different stories that contain some of the worst phrases you've ever heard uh, in your life. And uh, some notes from this weekend, uh, so forth. Oh, and I think we have, um, I think because it's still, I think it's still number two at the box office and now the number two grocer of all time, uh, The Dark Knight. So we do have uh, some Dark Knight run of engagement passes we're going to be giving away this week. I believe that is this week, Dark Knight. Pardon me, Dark Knight run of engagement passes. And then I, mm, I don't think I can give, I, I can't, I don't want to say this. I think next week we have, I may be wrong about this. I think next week we have a fantastic DVD set we're giving away. And like five of them. But I'm not entirely positive. So I'm not going to commit to that just yet. I'm going to be sort of cautiously optimistic, but I got to go see the. Uh, I have to go see the documentation before I promote that. Uh, but all this week, run of engagement passes to see the Dark Knight. Uh, Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification on this Monday. Hello, Tim. Busy day. Hello. It's cooling off today. 
Uh, that's because we're having thunderstorms. As a matter of fact, there were 1,400 lightning strikes in an hour today. Fantastic. A groom is half by lightning in a backyard wedding ceremony in Colorado. A girl with a half a brain goes home from the hospital. A gifted 12-year-old Portland boy wins $12,000 for inventing a highly efficient three-dimensional nano-tube photo cell for visible and UV light. Single men in Australian a mining town are seeking beauty-disadvantaged women. Just insert Northwest joke here. Uh, all right, then. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stellan. Hello, how are you? Hi. Just barely survived the weekend. I'm here in one piece. So, first off, how was your... Fr- now, you took a Friday off. I mean, yeah, I know you had some stuff to do. You had to finish your soapbox car and whatever. Yeah. But it was also just to enjoy a day away from here. It was indeed. Went out it? on Thursday night, then, yeah, slept in, went out to breakfast. It was really good. And then, actually, ended up, for the most part, working on the soapbox derby car Excellent. all day. <laughs> so, let's talk just a little bit about the soapbox derby, which happened uh, Saturday at Mount Tabor. So, first of all, congratulations on a great car. So, we can give Thank it away you. now. It was yeah. a float, like a beauty pageant float? Yeah, we made we had this float covered in like fake flowers. It took forever to make. And you were the killer queens. Mm-hmm. And so you were all sort of beauty pageant, but then spattered with blood. And then you had a queen soundtrack play. And we had a decapitated head on the front. First of all, who did the blood spatter? I did. It was fantastic. Oh, good. I was, re- I was talking to Aaron about later in the day. I'm like, they had the best blood spatter ever. Like, I was in full-on Dexter mode. And I shoved that doll's head that was um, on the pitchfork on the front yeah. of the car, like, full of cotton balls that yeah. had soaked in the blood so it looked like gross, chunky it was re- skin parts. It was really out. great. Now, you guys all looked fantastic. The car looked great. And then everything was fine until you started the first race down Holy Mount Tabor God. when suddenly they realized they had no brakes. And it's never really been a problem before because we've never really gone very fast. Yeah. And then I guess without, you know, the giant plexiglass shield that we've had the past couple of years. Holy God. Yeah. So last year, our fastest time was right around three minutes. Our slowest time this year was a minute 59. Wow. Yeah. It was the scariest two minutes of my life. So for people who don't know this, so Mount Tabor is very, I do believe it's, it's the highest point in Portland. and very curvy. I think it's the highest point in, in the city of Portland. It is a huge, windy, corkscrew mountain that is all, and it's not dirt, it's like blacktopped. And so you're there in like this. Blacktopped with a cliff on one side <laughs> and like, that actually, like actually sloped down on the other side. We can well. laugh about it now. We can laugh about it now, but oh. Because this year, uh, you know, you were everybody obviously is required to have brakes because you're in this big metal and wooden like vehicle that's plummeting down the, to hell. the mountain, yeah, the, the concrete on the edge with the cliffs on the edge, and then so the brakes were working when you, you know, the night before, and then you get up there and you started to go down, you and realize you have no brakes too, yeah, because we had to drive the car so it was towed behind my friend Jay's truck, and you know we drove all the way up Hawthorne with it and drove up the mountain, and the brakes were working, you know, the entire time except for when we get in the car, and uh, our. Our buddy Squid was our pusher, and he gave us... He pushes like a bastard, too. He pushes like an MF'er. He's a strong, strong guy, and he just gave it 100% and just shoved us down the mountain. And so we're going fast, and all of a sudden, Amanda's like, hmm, the brakes don't seem to be working. We start fishtailing. We have one of those hay barrels. These idiot parents have their kids hanging out in the track, and we're, like, barreling toward them. I'm like, holy God. Stand out there to get a good view, Junior. Seriously. It's like, you really you want us to kill your child? Like, wow. What is, yeah, so anyway, we barreled down the hill. Um, just barely made it. That big curve around the bottom is yeah. called the learning curve. And we just barely made it around there. Like, we were skidding and fishtailing. I didn't see that, but all I know is this. Uh, I only know that I saw you immediately after that race, and you were visibly shaking. I mean, you were you were vibrating. Lisa and I were both just like, we just both sat on the side of the hill for like a minute and like smoked cigarettes. And we're just like, I don't know what to do. And oh she's, my like, God. she's like, I don't want to get back in that yeah. car. I'm like, I don't either. 
Um, but you got the brakes fixed. fixed, fortunately. And then it was fun. And yeah. then the second two rides are fun. But I have never been that scared in my life. And people were coming up and they're like, dude, how did you guys survive? Like, how was your crash? Did you guys oh, did you wow. get very hurt with your crash? I'm like, no. Like, how did you possibly not crash? See, even thing? hearing about it is terrifying. It was so scary. Oh, so we uh, met a whole bunch of listeners out there, a whole bunch of a people. A ton of listeners that out there. Came out. I uh, met a guy named, uh, and, and, and I always feel like a tool because names sort of escape me. But I saw uh, uh, Scott and Stephen uh, and was Thomas was there, uh, Jesse. Uh, I, I met a guy named Narayan, uh, who's a, uh, you know, there with his dad, and they're both uh, they're both listeners. So howdy and hello to everybody. Hello. So it was it was just it was really great. God damn, it was hot though. I mean, I know that I'm speaking the bleeding obvious, but Jesus, for the love of, and then of course, so there's I mean, there's thousands of people at Mount Tabor, right? And so you know, Laura and I get up, and we're like, all right, let's. And we had a bit of a weekend anyway, which we'll get to in a second. But I, but on Saturday we're like, okay, let's let's get up and go and. Uh, and we decided to bicycle to the top of Mount Tabor, which is not that pleasant, but we decided it was going to be more pleasant than driving to Mount Tabor, where there was going to be no parking. Walking. Yeah, and then walking five miles in the sun to the top of a freaking hill. Uh, and so we bicycle all the way to the top, and you get to the top, and just, uh, 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 you know, just and like you're wearing it. shiny shorts. That's oh, that's the other thing is I had like the worst. So I'm doing that thing that you morning. Should have a wardrobe change. <laughs> I, uh, I I'm like, well, what should I wear this morning? And then I'm going through. And I've got this thing where I'm trying to be very good about my laundry, but it's been real hot, and so I haven't been wearing jeans around the house, so I've been wearing all my, like, you know, whatever, like, you know, my gym shorts or whatever. And I realized that it's like laundry day where you have the laundry marking shirt. I realized that morning that all I had left, and I had these, I had these sort of, like, Columbia sportswear shorts, that are sort of like cargo shorts, they're really great, but I think I've been eating something the night before, and, like, one of the legs of my cargo shorts had, like, I forget what I was eating. It was like some sort of cheese-based thing or had some sort of cream type thing on it. But there's like just big white splotches all over the front. Like, I can't wear shorts covered in white splotches. That's just weird. So I go to the very bottom and I find these like sort of like weird, shiny Columbia shorts that I think must have been on sale for like a dollar or something. And they're just terrible. So I'm, anyway, so we bike all the way to the top of Mount Tabor. And, and we got there. And I actually saw people driving up trying to park. And at one point, the, the cops just laughed. And the cops like, did. They were trying to park up in the parking lot after we got there at 6.15 in the morning. Uh, and I see people up there in the parking lot like, bad. hey, can we park up here at noon? I'm like, come on, dude. The cop just giggled. He's like, four hours too late. Get out. Uh, so we biked all the way to the top. And uh, we watched. And, you know, and, of course, then everybody spends the next four hours of the soapbox derby moving from place to place looking for the cool spot. And, of course, there is no cool spot. I mean, with, mm. you, I mean, there's just, all you can kind of hope for is to go to the top where there's shade. But, of course, on top, it's hotter. You're closer to the sun by about 30 feet. So it was the bad it was a bad so scene. Hot. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and I was covered in corn syrup because we had like our fake blood on us. So it's just sticky and hot, and I I have eleven giant mosquito bites. Excellent. Yeah. The only the really the only saving grace of the heat is so I'm wearing this sort of shiny bike shorts. By about I don't know the 45 minute mark, I was so this is so gross, but I was so unbelievably sweaty that everything I was wearing was just stuck to my body anyway, and everything looked shiny and skin tight. It was just disgusting. So then we uh, then we you know after we were done, we biked down the hill and. You guys you know. hung out for a while. That was awesome. Yeah, and then finally we were just like, F this, we got to go. Uh, and so we left. And it's that thing where you don't realize how dehydrated you are until you're sort of, you know, you get some distance from it. And then we each put down like a quart of water because we'd, we'd just been sweating like, you know, nonstop. Anyway, it was just a bad scene. So um, so that was Saturday. So Friday night. So this is this is our, our kind of one, two, three punch. So on Friday, it was kind of a crazy day anyway because it was like 107 degrees. At one point, uh, I-5... What by Wood, Woodland or something? There was a fire. Yes, Woodland. That was closed. 
I five from Malala. To, Scott Daly was coming from Malala to here. That was closed. This was Friday. Yeah, there I was, was a, so out of the world on oh, man. Friday. I didn't... Was, a building caught on fire downtown. There were cars running out of gas. I mean, it was like you really felt like it was about to just be the end of days. Like the stand was about to happen. So it was. It, it was just a nutcase day here. Anyway, and everybody acts crazy in the heat. You know, the heat. Is, and I know that I'm no different. The heat makes me cranky. Uh, and when I get hot, I get kind of like, what are you looking at? You know, and I get sort of irritated. So I kind of know my own limitations, as uh, Dirty Harry would say. So I get out of here on Friday. I go home. And so, God love my wife, but we had three different social events scheduled in like the next 24 hours. So Friday night, we go to a barbecue. Because that's what you want to do is stand over a barbecue when it's 107 degrees outside. Mm. So so we're out and we're in the backyard, you know, which I guess is, you know, thank God for small graces. Because they don't have air conditioning inside these friends of hers. So we're having this outdoor barbecue. But then it's like the flies start to descend on you because you've got food. So then it's 107 degrees, and you're over a barbecue, and there's flies descending on you. And then they have this great thing of, let's let's play a game. And so they're playing this, like, what is that game, bocce ball or bocce ball or oh, whatever? Oh, the one where you, like, hit the balls against each other? Yeah. So I don't know, who, I don't know who, has, who has the idea that you're going to start playing some sort of motion-based game outside when it's 107 degrees. That's ill-advised on, like, every conceivable level. So anyway, so there was that. So that was my Friday. We get up Saturday, we go to Mount Tabor, and then um, we came home, and we kind of, I think we got our nap on or something on Saturday. And then Saturday night, we go to Aaron's, because uh, it was Jen's birthday. Uh, Jen's birthday, Madonna's birthday, and the day Elvis died. So it was like a whole kind of catch-all thing. So, so we go to, I don't think you were here for this, but so we go to we go to Aaron's on, on Saturday. But on Friday, we've been talking about air conditioning. And Aaron had said, it's good, like, you know, air conditioning rules. We got this great portable air conditioner we can put anywhere in the house. So for reasons sort of unknown to both God and man, the place they decided to put the air conditioner for their party on Saturday was, of course, in the bedroom with the door shut. So we're in, so we're in Aaron's apartment, which is on like the 90th floor or whatever. Oh. And there's, I swear to Christ, there's like 17 people in a relatively small living room. The air conditioner safely tucked away in the bedroom where it can't help anybody. Did you ask Aaron when you were there? No, because you don't want to be a jerk. You don't want to be like, hey. He feels passively. That's, I totally do the same thing. Well, I don't. I'm not trying to be a jerk about it now. I'm well, just saying yeah. it's their air conditioner. I felt like I felt like saying like, I'll give you fifteen dollars. Just plug it in. Like I'm not trying to be jerky about it. Really it yes, yes, it was. <laughs> Don't I mean, heat rises, and if you're on the hundredth floor, all the heat from the other ninety-nine. That's floors. the thing. It's like oh, it's God. like there's. A, did, I mean, there was probably there was maybe between ten and fifteen people there. I can't really remember. It's all so blurry. And there was like between ten and fifteen people there, and he is again. He's like on the fifth or sixth floor, and I mean, it's a, you know, it's a nice place, but it's you know, it's kind of a cozy place. One might say it's not huge. Uh, so we're all in the living room, uh, and you know, and he's just sitting there. Just, uh, you know, just looking over as like the oil paintings are beginning to melt, and so, and the whole time I'm just hearing, I'm hearing Aaron's comment from Friday replay in my head. Yeah, we got an air conditioner; it's fantastic. And it's like, uh-huh. but you can't ask about it. Like you can't say like, hey, why don't you roll that thing out of here, Booby? You know, it's like you just, you know, you have to just sort of like be. All right, I'll just, I'll distract myself at the pleasure of everybody's company. Uh, oh, and then I and then I ate something that I found out later the dog had licked. So that was a oh, lot of fun. Ew. Yeah. Well, there was like these uh, cool cheese things sitting on the counter. And I said, those look fantastic. Maybe I'll have one. And I eat this, like, cheese sort of thing with, like, a little multigrain cracker snack. And then I found out later they'd been moved to the counter because Aaron's dog had been licking them. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, best weekend ever. Well, um, at least, speaking of air conditioning, so. I could not sleep the night before uh, the Soapbox Derby. On Friday night, went to bed at midnight or, like, 1130. Could not fall asleep. 
because it was so hot in my apartment until yeah. about 4.45 in the morning and then had to wake up at 5.15 oh, to go just, to the hill. It's just the worst. And I mean... It is so miserable. Uh, I do, you know, and I've told this story before, but I do remember living in these places where it was so hot that the only thing I could do was just soak a towel complete with ice water. Lay on the bed, like with wearing nothing. Put the pa- put the towel over me, and then point a box fan at myself, mm-hmm. knowing that I'm cooling off, but I'm also giving myself pneumonia. So, so that's always fun. that was at Aaron's house. Uh, well, I wasn't nude with a towel at Aaron's oh, house, but Saturday I was at Aaron's house. Yeah, Saturday night. Uh, all right. Well, let's see what else. What else should we get to? I got some. Uh, I got some other notes from this weekend. First of all, let me just read you. Just here's a terrible phrase. This is from uh, Jacksonville. Just a little phrase to start the day off right. They line Jacksonville. Jacksonville police are trying to find a man who they said attacked a disc jockey after an altercation at a bar and cut his eyes out. Cut out the man's eyes. <gasps> Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Here's here's the follow-up phrase. According to a police report, what? the according to a police no. report, the DJ had you'll never guess this life-threatening injuries and both of his eyes were. Protruding from his face. There you go. Man's inhumanity to man is what that is. Uh, let's see. Well, what else should we get? Uh, should we get to here? I just got uh, just a couple brief notes, but I got to sort of organize them here. Uh, let's see. We Did got. Say what kind of disc jockey he was, or anything. I think he was a club DJ. Oh, okay. I don't think he was a radio. You didn't believe my request. <laughs> I was caller five. Uh, a couple brief observations here. Rick and Tim, do either of you know what's up with all the speed traps on McLaughlin heading toward Milwaukee and Grand? Oh, that was last night, I think. Yeah, tonight while listening to Musicology, yeah, this is last night, I saw five cops checking speeds, pulling folks over. It was kind of creepy. I know there's a lot of construction in the area, but it seems like the city's overdoing it. Just wondering if you've heard anything about this Melissa. Uh, well, I, I know that they seem to be, it sort of seems to be a roving gang of speed traps, because as was well documented on this program, a couple weeks ago it was on Powell. On uh, Like two, three weeks ago, on Powell, there was between here and about 41st, there was like seven, eight, nine guys. Uh, who were there checking speeds, pulling people over, giving you the ticket. So, yeah, it was kind of a bad scene. Real quickly, we want to give a uh, a shout-out. Um, uh, and this is uh, from our good friend Kara. She says, I had an exciting Saturday in the gorge on a trail near the river. My 12-year-old black lab slipped in the water and went over a 15-foot waterfall. She was okay, but stuck at the bottom of a steep ravine. I climbed and slid down and ended up pulling her along with me while I scaled the steep wall covered with vegetation. Uh, she was kind of scared and didn't help in the climb. We managed to climb out an hour later. I nearly had my arm broken by a rock that fell when my husband and a guy helping were trying to get a branch to us. We're covered in scratches and I have aching muscles. Two random passers-by helped us. In the event they might be listeners, I'd like to thank them publicly. Uh, Matt was the main guy. Josh was the other guy. Matt personally helped my dog up about six feet and pulled me out. I thanked him then, but he deserves a bigger thank you for risking his own safety to help us. This was Saturday around 4 p.m. just off the trail above uh, Oneonta, Nanaganda, Wananata. Onita? Onita, Oneeter. That falls. I don't falls. know, I'm just making that up. Anyway, uh, much obliged if you mentioned this on Monday. So there you go. Oh, you know what Lacey told me? She saw, she was out uh, hiking. She told me she saw some Muslim gals hiking in 100 degree heat. Now they're all in black, and they only have those, like, two little slits with their eyes. They're climbing up these hills and mountains. You know, I was, can I just tell you, and I'm not going to get into a whole thing about it here, but I had the biggest discussion with my wife about that because she was a woman studies uh, major or minor or some, some crap, some such nonsense. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Anyway, so she and I had a whole long discussion about uh, about the sort of religious chicks that got to get all all get all, get, get all bagged up uh, when they walk out. I got 
because she has what she might call uh, conflicting uh, viewpoints on that. She said, well, how did she put it? She said, well, that does represent a tricky area of feminism. So, never mind. I don't even want to talk about it because then it's going to... I don't think you have any question of feminists. Well... I don't think so either, Tim. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think that's probably it. I don't. Uh, we have what? Uh, at least at eleven thirty-five. Yes, sir. Okay. Let me just say this final thing here, and then we'll probably take a break, and then I'll get to this. I got a question about parking. We'll get to later. I got a dumb observation about school photos, and then I got a little technology note. Uh, so we'll get to all that. Plus your phone calls, your so forth, your whatnot, your hey hey, your ends and your odds. Uh, so uh, when we were at this party on Friday night, you know, we've been talking about going to Russia, Lara and I. Uh, oh, man, speaking of which, I saw this documentary over the weekend about Belarus. Oh, yeah. Which is the last dictatorship, uh-huh. uh, I guess. I thought there would be more, but I guess well, it's the, the last Ukraine, one. the Ukraine kind of is also. I mean, a, a lot of these old Russian countries are, but they're not really in the news. Yeah, so Belarus is, I guess, maybe the last high-profile dictatorship, and it lies between Russia and the rest of Europe. Ukraine. And so there's this documentary about Belarus. Boy, that looks like the worst place on Earth. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, just a lot of people just, just living in houses made out of, like, uh, you know, pieces of, like, you know, the pieces, like, blown over siding. Yeah, they're all, like, Barack-like countries. Yeah. I mean, a ton of them. Seriously. Uh, you know, and so you expect to be like, there is the town rapist, or whatever it is. But, uh, anyway, so that was sort of making us a little apprehensive about Russia. I know that Belarus is perhaps not Russia, but boy, it was, it was a freaky no, place. No, it's outside of there. So we were at this party on Friday, and there was a friend of Lars there who actually spent a long time in Russia. It's amazing the number of people we know who have spent time in Russia. Uh, I mean, really, there's a lot. But I'll just make this one note here, and then we'll take a break. She said, A, when you go into any business, there are actually signs posted. One price for tourists, one price for locals. It's not like an implied thing. It is actually explicit. Local price, tourist price, right next to it. There are actually two different posted prices. And then she also noted this. She said, uh, and she was in, I think, the rather metropolitan parts of Russia. She was talking about tourists, and she said, you know, sometimes you'll just see people slumped over in tears. So there you go. Good time. Did that make you extra super excited to go? I just don't know, man. I'm so torn about it. All right, we got to take a break. We'll come back after this. If you're on hold, hang tight. Your phone calls around the corner. Today, all calls, theoretically, answer within 10 minutes. Lisa Desjardins coming up. Tim Riley and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an exercise in funk. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming by. Now I'm just getting nothing but emails about Belarus. I like to say Belarus. Belarus. Make it a Belarus evening. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, we'll get your phone calls here in just a uh, skosh. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From the Hill, CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello, how are you today? Hello, how are you guys? How was your time off? It, you know, it wasn't too bad. It was good. Excellent. Uh, and uh, so forth. And you did a thing where you cleaned the basement. And you... Yep, yep, yep. All right, there yep, you go. Yep, definitely, Tell... definitely. Uh... All right. Yeah. Tell me I don't wild. listen. Um, hey, so here's a question. Uh, tell me everything you know about Belarus. Wow, everything I know about Belarus. Um, you know, a lot of <laughs> the architecture there, not entirely different from anywhere that Stalin touched, it, I would it... say. Very communist-looking country. I uh, I know that they're not so much on our side of the equation as they are on Russia's side of the equation, for sure. I was watching this sort of documentary about it uh, over the weekend, and they were claiming that it was actually uh, the sort of the, the last true, full-on screaming dictatorship in that part of the world. And I don't know if that's actually true or not, but that was sort of the claim they were making. It, it, it 
It is. Many people consider it to be such. That's right. Although, you know, Turkmenistan, if it's still, I don't know if it's considered the same region or not, but I, I always put in a vote for Turkmenistan also having a we were at wild the, uh, dictator. Uh, my wife and I were at a party on Friday. We were sort of, and we're kind of, and I was kind of saying this as we go into the break, that it's amazing how many people I know. That you know, they've gone to Russia or spent some amount of time in Russia. You know, it, maybe you wouldn't really think of it as like tourist destination number one. But I mean, just off the top of my head, I can list. I mean, including you, five different people I know wow. who've gone there and lived there uh, for some. You know, for you know, stayed there for some extended period of time, which is kind of great. Um, so we were talking to this woman on Friday, and she shared a couple. And she just went there just strictly as a tourist, and she shared a couple observations. She said one. Don't ever, 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 and she reiterated this like a thousand times. She said, don't ever carry your passport. Always carry a copy of it, but never carry the real passport. Uh, and she she kept circling back wow. to this point because she said that, like, you know, she's like, the man will find you and he'll shake you down for your passport, and then you'll be screwed and you'll have to bribe him to get it back. Uh, <laughs> it, can, it can, you know, although, you know, actually when I was traveling from Russia to uh, Belarus, so it was sort of, uh, they were just breaking up at the time. That uh, we you know we kept our passports with us. We did have to bribe some people, but it wasn't that expensive. So the now let me ask here. Wasn't that bad? I don't mean to sidetrack us right off the bat, and I don't know how much time you have today. But let me ask you <laughs> this: in terms of bribery, like is you know in sales, there's a thing called the rate card, right. uh, and the rate card is how much it you know, costs to buy advertising on whatever show at right. whatever time right. of the day. So is there like a bribery rate card? I mean, really, how much? How do you know how much? I've never bribed anybody. How much? I do know. You... you know, some officials who had you know who were in a very clear position of power, like say. The university that I worked with, um, there were some deans of the university that I needed to work with that, it, that everybody kind of knew what their going rate was about. You know, sometimes it would be a percentage of how many of your students' tuition, for example, that right. you'd have to also pay them. So you kind of you had a sense. But when you're dealing with the border crossings and uh, you know other embassies where you need visas, that kind of thing, much more questionable. Like for instance, I uh, I got I think 30 visas to Ukraine with a bottle of champagne and a short skirt, you know, and so, and then, uh, but getting, getting visas to other places were, it took, took cash, so it's, it's all different. Yeah, I don't think the short skirt's going to work for me. I'm not going to be able to make that. I don't have, I don't have the right, knees well, for it. You know. uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by that. I'm especially fascinated by, and then I'm just totally sidetracking here, but I, uh, so bribery in that kind of uh, country is, is one thing. Bribery here in America, which I have to stress for the record, I've never engaged in, but it's, it's equally, fa it's, not, it's probably more fascinating because in America, I mean, you know, if you you try to bribe the wrong guy, especially these, right. you know, like some sort of a law enforcement type, you know, you're going to end up in the pokey. So, uh, I don't right. Yeah, and you know, there I think bribery is more like um, kind of alcohol was during prohibition. You know, it's kind of the cost of doing business. Everyone sort of looks the other way. It's sometimes they bust people, but it's it's much more a way of life. It's not really. It's technically illegal, but eh, not really. It's not like it is here where. Bribery is a very clear crime, and nobody should have anything to do with it. And if you do, you should be ready for you know your life to never be the same. Uh, one and a half small points before I ask you about the Warren form. One, uh, I had a friend of mine who always kept a fifty dollar bill underneath his driver's license in the wallet. Uh -huh. uh, you know, so when he would, when the cop would say give me your license, he would. I forget how he had it, but he had it sort of put in there in such a way that he had to take the $50 bill out to get to the license. Oh, <laughs> and it was like, let me get my license. It's right here underneath this 50. Uh, secondly, I had some uh, long, uh, what is it that the C.W. McCall, McCall would say? A, a, a long-haired hippie friend of Jesus. Right. Who, he was this long-haired hippie guy who would travel around in a microbus. 
and he was going to the south, and he got, you know, Johnny Law comes up and pulls him over, and he comes up, and, you know, my friend looks like Robert Plant, and he's just like the long, flowing hair and the weird shirt and, like, Wiccan symbols or something all over his van. And the cop says, hey, you were speeding, you know, whatever. Here's a ticket. Uh, and the cop said, no, you can mail that in, uh, and it's going to be $200. And then the cop did this long pause and goes, or you can just pay that here if you'd like. And, <laughs> and my friend's like, oh. Okay, how much cops like seventy five? And you know, paid it on his way. So that's my one bribery story. All right, let me ask you this. Yes. The Warren Forum. Uh, yes. Of course, I saw that, and because I have a tiny brain, I thought Warren Commission, but this is different. This is different. Different guy. Yeah. This is. It's like some sort of weird. Uh, it's like some sort of church thing where the candidates show up and they get like a quiz or something. I don't understand anything about this story, but everybody's talking <laughs> they get a about quiz. It. Right. They have their pencils. They sharpen them up. Right. Rick Warren is probably most famous for his book, which is The Purpose Driven Life, uh, and, and for which he is, he's a wealthy man after, after writing it. But it, it, he, is, um, he is an evangelical. He is probably a Republican. He is, he's definitely on the right side of the political spectrum. But he is billed as, and I think legitimately so, kind of a new type of evangelical, one of uh, these guys who talks a lot about the environment and about poverty and not just about abortion, though he does uh, ha- care about abortion, and I believe he is pro-life. Certainly his um, the, most of the people at the forum were pro-life. The idea here is someone who is, you know, right-wing religious leader getting Barack Obama and John McCain uh, to answer the same series of questions. They're both on the same stage, not at the same time. A lot of your listeners already know how that works. Uh, but Rick Warren actually knew both candidates and had, had uh, spoken with them before, had friendly relationships with both of them before, and so he, he personally asked both of them to come to this forum, and they both said yes. Is this a thing where one of them says yes, the other one has to go? It, well, it definitely would have been one of those things, but we don't know. We don't know who said yes first. It, it, it seems that both of them would want to go because Barack Obama is trying to reach those um, evangelicals who who may be more about like what he would say social justice or the environment. Meanwhile, John McCain is trying to convince conservatives that he's one of them. You know, that he doesn't talk a lot about religion. He doesn't, you know, talk a lot about Jesus and faith. And so some evangelicals and people on the Christian right wonder how sincere he is about other Christian values. So he, he's trying to reach out to those conservatives as well. He needs those guys to show up for him in, at the polls in November. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it true that uh, they're going to have to, that the, the rubber's going to have to meet the road here uh, with VP nominations like by Thursday? Uh, very soon. I mean, there's a chance that Obama could wait until Friday maybe of this week, maybe Saturday. But, yeah, I think that we're, we're going to get Obama's nominee any day now, it, it probably will be before Thursday, Thursday or before. But who knows? Could be Friday. So that's why does it have definitely... to be th- that soon? Dumb question. Right. Well, because the Democratic convention starts Monday, and you're right. Usually, people used to pick their or even announce, like in the case of Dan Quayle, there and how did how how well that worked out at the uh, convention. At the convention, even maybe the final night or second to final night. But the theory now is that you want to drum up as much publicity as you can, and that by waiting to announce your nominee, uh, you're going to be wasting days' worth of publicity that you're going to get anyways at the convention. It's kind of like you're doubling up on publicity. Also, logistically, Uh, it's better to make the decision just so you can print up the signs and plan everything and get your logos together, those kinds of things. And it probably eats up broadcast time. That right. they could be using to sort of push other things. I hadn't really thought about that. That's there's a right. fine, especially now where the networks are not necessarily. There's no news this week. There's nothing going yeah. on right now except for the war in Georgia. All right. And so this it's it's to Obama's uh, probably to his advantage to do it now. But John McCain 
is going to play the field the other way, probably announce right after the Democratic convention, like the day after, so that he can take away some of the steam from uh, the Democratic convention, that's if, too, if he can. That's too bad. In my head, I, I do sort of see, you know, in, in my head it all plays out at the convention where they announce it there, and then it's like, right. a, it's like a WWE pay-per-view right. uh, thing, where, like, the wrestler is finally unmasked, and, oh, my God, it's, it's, it's Rowdy Roddy Piper, uh, right, right. or whatever. So, well, all right, I can, yeah. a man can still dream, Lisa. Yes, yeah, you know, and we don't know. We don't know. This Barack Obama. He's crazy man. Who knows? He's unpredictable. John McCain, wacky. Uh, and finally, are they going to do this thing at the convention uh, where, uh, are they? In other words, are they going to do this thing at the convention where Hillary is sort of where they do the roll call and yes. with Hillary is sort of you know people trying to extend the olive branch by allowing a certain number of people to go for Hillary Clinton. Yes, yes, that that is in the plans right now. That's what, that's and it, it'd be very unlikely that that will change. But yep, that's that is the plan. All right, excellente. All right. Uh, let's see. Have I missed anything? I, I think you you covered some good ground. All right, and done. Okay. Done. Uh, are you on tomorrow? I will be here all week. All right, fantastic. We'll talk to you then, Lisa. Okay, Thank great. you. There you go, Bye. Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic, wonderful, excellent. All right, genius. All right, um, and something else, and so forth. By the way, just a little look behind the curtain. I labored for a second there in my head over what uh, professional wrestling reference to make. Uh, I almost went with a brother love reference, but then I decided to go middle of the road. Rowdy, Rowdy Piper. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Mm, forgive me for I have cold. Uh-huh. Listen, Bound Russia. Uh, I've tried, I called about this one time before. There's a really good website you should look up. Uh, it's a woman who travels through the country on a bike, motorcycle, by the name of Elena Filotova. Oh, wait, I think, I think I do remember hearing about this woman. ElenaFilotova.com. She rides up to Chernobyl. Yeah. She listens to all kinds of weird, wacky. I saw that. That was creepy. Yeah, yeah, that Chernobyl thing was unbelievably creepy. Okay, cool. Because I told you about it months ago, and I didn't didn't know if you ever did yeah. anything with it. No, I did. I did look it up, and of course, you know, and then and then that prompts the whole. I don't know where Chernobyl uh, like actually is, like relative to in I, Ukraine someplace. Yeah. North. So I mean, there's a but there's a yeah, there's a whole thing of her going through that area, which I had forgotten about, but that was indeed <laughs> creepy and fascinating. Excellent. All right. Thank you. All right. I hope you do go to Russia because I want to hear a first-hand account of what it's like there. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just so morbidly fascinated is the wrong way to put it, but I am just so weirdly fascinated with Russia. And I think I was talking to somebody about it this weekend, and she said, or at this party on Friday, she said, "Well, why?" She said, "I know you don't, you know, because I don't. Everybody knows, you know, that Lara's the traveling one. I kind of don't. I'm not really into into the traveling thing. We're the yin and yang." But she said, "Well, you're not really into traveling. You're not really into going to other places. Like, why then? Like, Russia seems like." So un- unlike me. Hey, if you don't, yeah, just go big. That's the thing. It's like, and I think I, and I think a lot of it is, and I don't know, maybe, maybe it is, uh, maybe it is this way for other people, but I think a lot of it is a generational thing. In that, I grew up in the Cold War, and I grew up just having it just drilled into me, just constantly, just this image of Russia as, as you know, what they what they call in the video games and TV the, the big bad. I mean, all through the 70s and the 80s, I mean, especially under Reagan, because uh, the first president you remember is probably what Bush, the first maybe, or Clinton. Who's the first yeah. president you really remember? Um, I think the first Bush. Bush 41. Whichever, which one was the one for, during the Persian Gulf War? Yeah, that was Bush 41. Yeah. And uh, but growing up under Reagan, I mean, he constantly. Uh, I mean, it was like it, Bush, I, Ronald Reagan about about Russia, about the Soviet Union, was like. 
I mean, it was like George Bush is about terrorism, but like times 50. I mean, it was just constantly, every day, Russia, the evil empire, and standing there saying, like, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, and, like, being told that at any moment we could be, you know, killed by a Soviet first strike. And it was really freaky times. And, you know, we had things, we've talked about this before, we had, uh, you know, movies like Red Dawn, which is about the Soviets coming and invading America. And we had that mini-series on NBC called America with a K, which is the same thing about the Soviets invading America. I mean, it was like a big... They were a huge villain in the American psyche, probably way more so than they deserve to be. I mean, because looking back, they were just falling apart from the inside. But So I think I had this, this huge mythical vision of Russia in my head because you just were taught all through your childhood to just be sort of in awe of and terrified of Russia, of, of the Soviet Union. Mm. Uh, and then you would see all of those video things of like Red Square and the huge military formations and whatever. And I know a lot of that doesn't happen anymore or it's different than the way I visualized it. But I do feel it's like, you know, this sounds dumb, but I feel like in a weird way, it's sort of like the Loch Ness Monster, just a thing that you heard about and was sort of mysterious and terrifying all through my childhood. And I kind of want to go see it firsthand. Mm. Uh, and, you know, it's probably going to be nothing like I imagine, but, you know. I totally picture not? it as the, as the world, um, as it is, Post Big Brother. Yeah, yeah. I, that's exactly how I, I I know that came out wrong, but you know, like that's how I picture it being like a lot of factories and really dirty, very industrial, not, 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 and, not dirty, yeah, industrial. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. You've got to go and take pictures so that I can see what it looks like. Yeah, so I think I mean I I think at some point I will, and maybe it's going to be next year, maybe not, but I think it's uh, I mean I think I kind of got to do it just so I don't wonder about it anymore, because otherwise it's just going to sit. I mean, yeah, Laura's going to brave the Amazon. Russia shouldn't. Oh, be. seriously, Russia's a breeze. That's the you know going to Russia. I have to get inoculated from malaria and dengue fever or whatever, and carry like cobra anti venom with me just mm. the whole thing is just that whole thing is freaky it's cool to see kind of how excited she is about going to the amazon though i mean she's already like she's just like off the charts excited about it which is which is cool and she's like hey look at this there's a river we have to cross it's filled with piranha okay. i'm just like all right i'm just excited to go to brooklyn that's that, i mean that's why <laughs> that, like, that's exciting for me i don't want to cross a river with piranha seriously this is this sounds like a joke but it was this is an actual thing she's going to so she's spending two and a half weeks going up walking 26 miles up the amazon Going to the Incan something or other and doing a thing and whatever. And there's like, she's going to some village. I'll, I'll shut up about it after this, but she's going to some village while she's in the Amazon that it's so insane. It's on like a lake or a marsh or whatever. And the village literally is a floating village made out of reeds. Hmm. They've lashed together reeds into like a mat and the whole village floats on top of the water. It's just the, it's the freakiest thing. That's cool. Um, but she's going to some place where you literally, there are, you can't get a boat there. So she's crossing some river that you literally have to build the boat on the bank out of reeds and then sail that handmade boat across the river to get to the other side because there are no boats there. So unbelievably weird. But she's That's going to be probably freaky for you if you can't talk to her because yeah. obviously oh, there's no cell phone, there's no email, there's no nothing. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing there. Like, I won't be able to talk to her for like two weeks. She'll be in the Amazon without communication for two weeks. Building her own boat. Building her own boat to sail. Hopefully, across not running the river. out of like anti-cobra venom. It's just, it's weird. But, but, the, but the, the, the sort of the punchline of the whole thing is, she's going to the Amazon. But I had pushed really hard and said for us to go to Graceland. So there you go. That's the, that is the, uh, that is the dichotomy there between myself and my wife. Can we go to Graceland? No, I'm going to the Incan ruins. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hi, Rick. This is Chris. What's um, up? You were talking about going to Russia and all that. Yes, sir. Uh, I don't know. If, uh, you probably heard of the video game called Call of Duty 4. I don't know if you've ever played it. Uh, no, Michael Mara, though, uh, who does the uh, night show here, plays it a lot, and he raves about it. It's uh, it's mainly based, a large portion of it is based on uh, Pripyat, U Ukraine, which is where Chernobyl is. Mm -hmm. And uh, I found it to be, like, really fascinating just by playing the game, and so I 
I looked up a bunch of info and on YouTube and Wikipedia and stuff, and it's really it looks like a fascinating place. And I, you can take tours of it and everything. There's people, people have videos up where they they take tours actually through Chernobyl. Uh, but is that safe? I mean, is it like? Can yeah, you... the, they they carry radiation detectors on them, but generally it's the radiation level has dropped low enough now where you can visit most parts. You, they just mainly take you through the town and like the, the deserted town and like the deserted Ferris wheels just standing oh, there. Oh, see, I would see that's fascinating to yeah, see and, the and, town of Chernobyl. And they uh, they took them like through an empty schoolhouse where all, all the children's desks and all the papers and books are still there. It's kind of oh. crazy and fascinating. Thing see about. that fascinating. See that's the kind of stuff I love. Uh, that is just because, and, and I know Sarah's definitely too to remember this, but, you know, the Chernobyl nuclear, I don't think it was an actual meltdown. looking at meltdown. all the pictures of the Chernobyl, um, like, torture camps here. It's just really crazy. Yeah, and, I mean, the whole town was evacuated because they had a, a nuclear incident there where there was a lot of radiation released. And this guy, and I've t- this guy's talking about some stuff that I've heard about where you can, you know, there are buildings and schools and whatever where everything is exactly the way it was in 1986. Like, everybody evacuated and never came back, and everything in the town is exactly the way it was 22 years ago, like coffee cups there hadn't been touched because nobody's ever gone back because everybody was like because there was an air raid siren it was like get out now mm-hmm. so all right excellent thank you my friend best show ever thank you sir and how how great is it and how like this audience is it that he went online to study chernobyl after playing call of duty 4 and wondering exactly how closely that was to real life so um uh, let's see what else am i gonna what else am I going to do here? Well, nothing. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Tim Riley at the top of the hour from the Ministry of Truth. Later on, CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer uh, will do the top five songs whose meanings are still hotly debated. Uh, perhaps this worst song ever. And uh, we'll do our sound clip inventory, more notes from this weekend, and uh, so forth. Corpse Watch, Hick Watch, all of that on the way. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Stay there. What kind of, you know, what, what are my choices for bread? And she said, white wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. And clearly she had it hold down to like a whole David Mamet-esque like flow. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. 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 What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Indeed. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. This email is from Mike. It says, Rick, I'm flying Alaska. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm flying to Alaska today. He says, I'm flying to Alaska today. I made sure to get to PDX Airport early so I'd have time to get breakfast at Gustav's. Simply to ask, what are my choices for bread? The waitress seemed a bit surprised by how distraught I was when she informed me that I missed breakfast by five minutes. There isn't anything on the menu that would require that question being asked, so now I'm sitting with a French dip and tears in my eyes. Best show ever. Uh, that is from Mike. Sorry about that, my friend. Uh, well, better luck next time, I suppose. 
All right. I guess that's true. I guess it's a breakfast uh, thing only. I guess later on in the day, there really would be no point. There'd be no function uh, to such a list uh, post-breakfast. All right. You missed your wham fries by just this much. Here's Tim Riley at the uh, Ministry of Truth. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, things are finally cooling off today. It is uh, 64 degrees downtown, which is very nice. Uh, big thunderstorms rattled through the metro area early this morning, started around 8 o'clock. And there have been more than 1,400 lightning strikes across the state. And it all happened in one hour. The lightning strikes sparked fires in the Mount Hood National Forest. So uh, scattered thunder showers and lightning were expected to last most of Monday before settling down overnight. And then it's just going to cool out for a couple of days. Then we have the Gnarl Ridge fire on Mount Hood flaring up over the weekend, forcing nearby residents to brace for possible evacuations at some point today. In addition to the Gnarl Ridge fire... Fire officials said 25 new fires have started. Uh, this is due to lightning strikes, and National Weather Service has issued a severe thunderstorm warning for uh, some places around. Okay, so, so the irony, though, is that it's, what, like 64 degrees, you said? Yeah. And raining, whatever, and yet it's hot in the studio. Am I the only one who's hot? I don't think the air conditioning is on. They're tearing up the floor. It's a little warm. Yeah, so, I mean, so all last week when it was like 140 degrees outside, we were fine because the... Were you here when the air conditioner stopped working, though, in the building? No, I guess that was Friday. Friday, yeah. the air conditioning broke everywhere except in the studio. We This was the literally the only room in the building that was air conditioned. Uh, and so, it was already super hot on Wednesday or Thursday. It was oh, yeah. creeping well, out like, the door. Well, KUFO has, like, the window right there, and they get oh. the outside heat or whatever. Yeah, this was the only room in the building that remained air conditioning. Everything ever air conditioned. Everything else just, uh, just, just turned into a sweat box. So now today it's cool outside and yet it's hot in here. Yeah. It's ironic. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, Salem police are investigating a triple shooting early yesterday that left a person dead, one person seriously injured. Officers received a call of gunshots fired near the area of Fifth Street. Uh, shortly after that, a vehicle arrived at Salem Hospital with three gunshot victims inside. One died at the hospital, another taken by a life flight to a Portland hospital. The third treated and released. Uh, Please identify the man killed his 21-year-old Raphael Garcia. The names of the other two have not yet been released. They don't know what started it. People just got shot. Oh, isn't there any good news? Yes. The 12-year-old Portland boy who has won a $25,000 reward. This is for a national organization that supports gifted youths. William Yon's award from the Reno, Nevada-based Davidson Institute for Talent Development came for scientific research he conducted. Uh, Williams invented a new design of a highly efficient three-dimensional nanotube solar cell for visible and UV light. The kid terrifies me. I don't even know who he is. He also uh, developed a model for solar towers and a computer program to simulate and optimize the tower perimeters. Whatever. I, let's let's start at the beginning. First of all, what is the name of the organization? The organization is. This is the David Institute for Talent Development. Doesn't that sound like some sort of weird, like, uh, like stage management organization? Mm-hmm. Does it sound like some sort of, like, like some of the sub-William Morris uh, group type agency? Secondly, he's what, 12? 12. Well, how, first, I have a question. I know, I've, I know I've said, like, first and second, like, three different times now, but let's go back to the beginning. First, how is it that they identify such gifted youths? I mean, where do they, I mean, are they like, is it like talent scouts? Is it like how they got, is it like how the NBA has guys out like on grade school playgrounds looking to see who can do a three-point shot or whatever? I mean, is that, because you always hear about this, well, he was put into a program for gifted youth. Mm-hmm. How are such youths identified? Is that well, like your parents? Teachers, uh, teachers do early. 
in the school. Is that true? Do they have yes. those programs here in the, in Portland? Well, well I guess I they must. So, yes. Uh, is that where? So a teacher must a teacher must spot that you're somehow just too bright for the rest of the room, and yes, they just sort of know that. they just sort of and they yank you out and they stick you into one of those whatever those magnet schools or whatever the hell they're uh-huh. called. So all right. So that's what happened here. One twenty-five thousand dollars. So that is a good thing. Uh, back to more crime now. A shooting interrupted a park barbecue in Northeast. Witnesses described the scene at uh, Woodlawn Park as total chaos when shots were fired. There were mothers running with their children in arms and lots of other people running. They were just running in circles and screaming. <laughs> running in circles and screaming. Mm-hmm. Apparently there were five gunshots. There was a heavy set man suffering at least one gunshot wound. Neighbors who live near the park say it's not the uh, the first case. Why would you run in circles? Run away. Well, don't go to the park if you're going to get shot there. There are well, plenty of parks. Well, that's I guess that's also a fair point. Where was this? This is... Woodland Park, Woodland Park. Which which park is in Woodland Northeast. Park? Uh, I mean, it's just this, the running in circles doesn't make any it sense at, at all. Northeast Thirteenth and Deacom. It seems so like don't go there. It seems like well, I think that's there are I, people running in circles <laughs> screaming. You think that would be a hint? I don't think you have to worry about people Can you going see a there. Sign? I think a stick figures <laughs> running in circles while bleeding. With the mouths hanging open. Just, just like if, if you go down to San Diego and and see those signs in the road with the woman grabbing the child running across the freeway. Those signs are so freaky. I knew people that thought I was making that up, by the way, uh, until oh. they – is that all over Southern California or is it just San Diego? They're probably around the border area. Of the have, state. You, have you seen that sign? I think I might have. I haven't been to California well, but it's the it's the Yeah, it's like a mom and a dad and a little and a little sign, girl right? who looks like uh looks like a rag doll because she's mm-hmm. being jerked up into the air and it's I mean, it is, you know, it's like the universal figure, uh, you know, for like road crossing guy. Like there's that one, it's always like the sort of, like the figure painted in black on the yellow background, and that is the universal guy who's crossing the road or doing whatever. And in San Diego, it's not just a guy crossing the road, it's a guy and a woman who I think is, you know, or I think you can tell she's a woman, she's got like a skirt or something. And then there's like a child, and it's the three of them bolting across like the 405 or something. Uh, and so the theory is... That I guess it's uh, immigrants of maybe an indeterminate legal nature, uh, sort of uh, running across. You think traffic. they would be briefed not to run across the highway well, with hundreds of cars traveling? I was just going to say, surely they must. I mean, they must have seen cars before. Well, they don't see that in their native land. Cars that far. Well, they do, but the cars aren't moving. They're usually broken down with a flat tire. <laughs> I people were just saying, how the hood up? How? They're not going to see that in any <laughs> one place. I'm sure it's a new scene. How are, how fast do you have to run to be at like a fruit cart of some kind? You know, or like some guy. What are those? Not rickshaws, but what are those like? Like the uh, the like the, the the like the cabs where it's the guy just dragging you along. Right. I guess they, they see some you know overheated Impala from the 1960s with dead chickens <laughs> in the road. They don't have to run. They can walk. There's no hurry. Getting out of the way of an ox is a relatively simple proposition. Anyway, they're the freakiest uh, street signs though. Um, anyway, back to oh, so back to the people running around in circles in the park and screaming. Right. They're running around in circles and screaming. And this is the Woodland Park at Northeast 13th and Deacon. I wonder who took the time to to, to to like make the determination that it was in fact a circle. Maybe they were running in a rhombus. Maybe it was more of a trapezoid. Maybe maybe the, the track around it is in a circle. Maybe they were running in a parallelogram. It is a running and screaming circle. <laughs> let's let's all go to the park and run in a circle and bleed. All right. Uh, I had some other point to make. Wait. Don't go to the park. What else? No, I think that may be it. Wait. Wait. No, I guess that's it. Okay. Back to the uh, the the gifted kid. The 12-year-old yeah. who made the nuclear thing or whatever it, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's that weird middle ground that's always unpleasant to be in because he's so gifted that 
like he must be one of those kids that like at the age of three was taking apart a toaster and putting it back together or something. And then there's, you know, and then there's the other, you know, all the like dirtbag kids who just, you know, just, just like, you know, grow up to be the guy who cleans your mats at the car wash or something. Uh, but then there's that uncomfortable middle ground where you are not smart enough to get taken out of school and put somewhere else. But you're smart enough that school is just unbelievably tedious and boring. And I think probably all of us fell into that category. You know what I mean? We're like, it, like nobody came to me. He's a prodigy. Let's put him somewhere better. Like I would, I would never put anywhere better. I just sat there and just, you know, and just chewed my fingernails down the nubs because I was so unbelievably bored with the entire process. But I wouldn't. But I was never good enough at anything that they were going to take me and put me anywhere else. Uh, and I, Todd the Corpse and Joni and I were talking about that the other day because I think, you know, I think Joni's kid has, has some of those issues where she's, you know, she's bright enough that she finds school to, to be just an excruciatingly tedious exercise, but she hasn't like, you know, but she hasn't solved like Fermat's last theorem or something, so they won't take her and put her anywhere else. And then you, and then here's another thing I wonder about. Like in the movies, they always have that thing where like, the kid is so bright that they've taken him out of school in third grade and put him in like a tumbling school or something, or some like, some school where you just learn the oboe. And I always wonder if that happens in real life. Like, yeah. do those schools, do those schools actually exist? Sure. Where you take him out of the regular school and he's going to some place where he's going to learn the zither for ten years? Uh -huh. my, my sister works at a school like that. Really? Is it like a music? Like a Montessori? It, it is a Waldorf school. What is a Waldorf school? It's it's where the kids are uh, encouraged to sit around all day and look at trees and draw them. And uh, well, that's dumb. No, parents, <laughs> I'm sorry. Parents, parents pay big bucks <laughs> to have their kids do this stuff. What? <laughs> And they're shipped in from all over the country. Really? I don't know what else they do. But, I mean, is it like a, like a real arty kind of? Yeah. Well, it must be. Yeah. Uh, Communing with nature, that type of thing. I think Oregon has a lot of those schools, too. And I always pick on Evergreen uh, College, uh, which is where my friend, uh, where Nate Baker went, and I think Matt Groening went there. I always pick on that place because it's kind of easy because they don't do any grades. Mm -hmm. It's like they just do at the end. I think at the end of the course, like, they don't give you, like, a like a, like a a B or an F or whatever. They just go, it's like a self-assessment thing. How do yeah, you feel they, you did? And, like, the whole school will go to France for two months. See, that just makes me angry. Well, I mean, you can enroll. I'll get the paperwork for you. My sister works there. <sighs> All right. It's, it's, it, it is you may too be late the, for You me. may be the oldest student, but you do have the opportunity. Hey, have that's fun. a funny idea for a uh, kooky Will Ferrell comedy where, you know, gifted guy goes back and goes to a gifted school at the age of 45 because he's embittered that he missed out on it. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, it's just a, it's a whole thing. Um, Wait, I had one final point to make. And by the, the way, if my sister's, I know your kids do more than stare at the trees all day. Is she listening? Probably. Hello, how are you? Uh, no, I, I mean, you know, schools like that are great. Don't get me wrong. I don't mean to knock on schools like that. It's just I do have this sort of, I was going to say low-grade resentment, but maybe it's not even low-grade. I do have this kind of resentment about that because I just, uh, I remember having, and it's not like I'm, like, that much smarter than the average guy, but I think I did have this, I think I did have this realization fairly early on in the educational process, and this is the kind of thing you can't, let me just back up for a second. Do you ever do this? Do you ever find yourself talking to somebody who has kids, and the kid is in the room, and the subject of school comes up, and you find yourself faced with this really unpleasant choice of where you can either speak the truth about school, knowing that the kid is in the room and it's going to cause problems for the parent later because the kid is going to be reciting all of your uh, all of your bitter observations about the school system back to the parent, or you can be like a united front with the parent and pass along a bunch of like a, the whole tissue of lies to the kid. So this is Joni and Todd and I when we were um, working on the. Emerson address thing, and Sydney's there, and somebody made some observation about school and whatever, and I opened my mouth and I said something about, you know, school is really pointless. It's just there to keep you off the streets and from breaking windows for 18 like years. babysitting. That's it. I mean, and that's the whole thing. Is like, it's really just, it is only there 
so that you're not out like menacing people with sharpened screwdrivers like on the Max or something. That's it. You're not really expected to learn anything. And the things that they would have you learn in school are fundamentally useless anyway. Like 90% of the stuff they teach you in school is just crap. It's pointless. And I think like a lot of artistic kids, I think Joni's daughter has uh, trouble with math. And I made the observation that it's, you know, who cares? You're never going to use it. And anybody who says you're going to use math is lying. I mean, they're just... get a job like this. That's the thing. They're, I mean... You know what I wonder? How come they teach us years of cursive? I can't even remember the last time I used cursive. How come we're required to learn cursive? That's a good point. I, I believe was thinking in, about that. in uh, like, uh, drafting you would use that. There are certain vocations where you might use that. But, but don't you agree... Uh, now I'm just uncorking all the anger. But don't you agree, Tim, yes. that if you are someone... How do I put this? In other words, math is always the example I go to because it's the easiest one to sort of pick apart. Because they'll sit there and they'll teach you, like, whatever, like geometry or how to solve for the inside this or the exponential that or whatever, or like the FOIL method, which is all stuff that you will never, ever, ever use for the most part. Well, some people. But if you're an engineer and, and you know, you're some Nazi scientist designing rockets to go to the moon, that's what you use that stuff for. Math is for Nazis. Correct. You know, there were some other people who used algebra. They were called Nazis. Yeah, if you're uh, an inventor. If you're an inventor. If you've been doing a lost cat magnet. But, but, that's, but my thing, but that's exactly my thing. If you're going to be, you know, a, a scientist, an engineer, Nazi, whatever, you're probably going to learn the math yourself anyway. In other words, you're a person who will be in For example, Matt Green, who's our engineer, mm. I'm, you know, I will pose just some, like, the weirdest, most vague question on the air about math or science or something, and Matt or Brian or one of those, Jeff McGinley, one of those guys, they will immediately email me the answer. Those guys all understand science and math and all of the various related fields because they themselves find it interesting, and so they took it upon themselves to learn it because either their personality... Uh, was such, or their jobs were such Correct. that you know that they they sort of were you know that they, they kind of taught it to themselves, or they they actively sought out that knowledge. Right, but it's because it it interests you, it interests them. But to you, these are just boxes that four screws hold into a rack. Exactly. And so to the right. average and, and so to the average person, uh, math is just pointless because the only time you would ever use that math is if you went into a career in which math was an integral part, and if you're going to go into that career. You're a math type person. You're going to learn it on your own anyway. Anyway, so the, the point is that we were. Oh, it's a weeding out process. <laughs> but Troy was just like uncorking all of this, like you know, you, the education system is a house of lies and deception. And then I realized that Sydney was sort of very carefully mentally taking notes, and that it was all going to get quoted back to Joni at some point the next time a you know bad report card came home. Mm -hmm. So then I just had to shut up. But not before Todd expressed his pet peeve, which is that there is no letter E. He's all, like, disproportionately angry that there's only A, B, C, D, and F. And then I pointed out that E is for effort, which is what you tell dumb kids. So here's Tim Riley. That is a good question, isn't it? Uh, well, somebody thought that they were taking a shortcut out of a parking lot in Canby. Uh, they were wrong. They were killed by an Amtrak train, two of them. The train pulled into the uh, right in front of the car 200 yards before it came to a stop along Highway 99E. Photos of the scene show flames engulfing the car wow. as it sat on the tracks of the crash. This was not an exit. Apparently, these people thought they found something new. They did not. A police said a third person had gotten out of the car when it became stuck on the tracks as their uh, their plan for their new exit, well, kind of came to an end quickly. So they were trying to push the car. They heard the train coming and yelled for the other people to get out. Too late. Uh, apparently, uh, the train hit the car, and it was still rolling, and they pushed the car along. Yeah. The flames were higher than the train, and it was pretty sad. Fifty passengers were aboard the train as it headed from Seattle to Eugene. The passengers were hurt, and officials evacuated the area. Amtrak provided taxis to allow the passengers uh, to reach their destination. 
happened at 1030. Uh, hundreds of people in the area came there for the Clackamas County Fair and Rodeo. Uh, the tracks are marked with gates, lights, and belts. It's unknown if the warning devices were operating at the time, but always all of the sign that says exit, E-X-I-T. That is the only way out. Don't make your own exit. There are reasons why there are only so many. The other ones, if you take away that doesn't say E-X-I-T, you will burst into a ball of flames going, like these people did. It's going to end badly for you. I mean, you would. How, how much longer does it take to follow the regular exit sign? Well, and I mean, it's and, and where are you going in a hurry? And can be. It's not like it's and it's not like it's sort of vaguely marked. It's not like it's you know they're being obtuse about it. I mean, one says and and, and in fact, I think usually uh, the the way that is not the way out is actually labeled not an exit mm-hmm. or entrance only or there's like a big arrow or something pointing at you. So. These do seem like rather simple rules that everybody could follow. The tracks are marked with gates, lights, and bells. Well, what else do you need? So you miss three things or ignore them, and you're in a hurry. That's what happens when you're in a hurry. Take your time. It's too bad, isn't it? Yes. So here's something that nobody will take them up on. This is uh, from the email. I have left some zucchini and yellow squash in the downtown kitchen for anyone who wants them. Hey, let me get right on that. Our garden is all organic. And I have harvested more than I can eat. You know, the, the zucchini or zucchini is the, uh, I mean, it's the triple of the vegetable. Are you really? Sure. I like zucchini and yellow squash. But see, don't you imagine it's the zucchini that are like the size of a canoe? Because that's the thing about zucchini, right? Is it's like you, if you, you got to keep an eye on those things. You come back and it just, it's, it's like kudzu. It's just, uh, it's just everywhere. In fact, this dinner party that was, I was at on Friday. It's like some horrible. It's like some horrible parting gift. You know, it's like an inverse door prize. Where instead of rice aroni, it's like. And by the way, take home 40, 40 pounds of zucchini with you. Zucchini that nobody wants. I ran into a strange food dining over the weekend. There was a strange thing on my plate. It looked like a French fry, but not quite. So I asked the waitress exactly what it was. It appeared to be something deep fried. It was that a I plantain. It was a deep fried pickle. A deep fried pickle. A deep fried pickle. That sounds delicious. Was this at the? Uh, was this at somebody's? Uh, like at like at a residence or at a restaurant? It was at a restaurant. It was at Stanford's. If you want to go get a it. deep fried pickle. Mm-hmm. And was this some? It was like a side. Yes, it was. Was it good? I wasn't about to eat it. <laughs> it came with a veggie burger. A deep fried pickle. Deep fried pickle. Doesn't that just? I mean, I don't know if this is true or not, but don't don't you just instinctively feel like that was something that Elvis probably ate? Mm-hmm. So was it on Saturday? Yes, it was. Maybe it was in honor of Elvis's death. Well, that could have been. There you go. See, I'm going to assume that that's the case. Even if it wasn't, I'm going to give them credit for that. I'm going to assume that they were honoring the death of the king by deep frying a pickle because I think that Elvis had those deep fried uh, peanut butter and banana sandwiches. Mm-hmm. So I'm entire. It's entirely possible that he uh, that he had deep fried pickles as well. So it, it, I mean, it came with no explanation. Yeah. And I wasn't going to eat it without asking. Yeah, I don't really. I don't really know that I. Uh, I don't really know that I'd feel good about that. Let's talk about pickles for just a second. Sure. There, where do you fall on the big, uh, on the big, uh, like sweet pickles versus dill pickle question? I don't like either. Done and done, Sarah. Mm, I don't know. I kind of like both of them. See, sweet pickles, I just can't get behind. I just, I, I can't get with that. Yeah, I like dill pickles. I think more than sweet pickles. I think. But dill... a deep fried sweet pickle sounds like it might be really good. You know what it is? It, to me, dill pickles and sweet pickles. You know what that's like? It's like red licorice or black licorice. Uh, to me, there's one that is real and true and honest, and the way it's supposed to be, and the other is sort of like an unacceptably weird variant. Mm-hmm. Dill pickles and black licorice. I mean, that's that's the way that nature intended those things to be. Red licorice and sweet pickles. That's some sort of that's that's that's, that's man meddling uh, with the earth's creations in ways that he was not meant to. That's I can't. And then don't even get me started on this. You've got dill pickles, you've got sweet pickles, and then you've got bread and butter pickles. 
And bread and butter pickles are something you don't really hear a lot about. What's but bread you, and butter pickles? It's crap is what it is. It's a, it, a bread and butter pickle is like a really, really bland dill pickle, uh, but it's almost got like a lemony taste to it. It's terrible. Uh, it, it is like an unacceptable mix of both sweet pickle and dill pickle. It's got a little bit of each, not enough of either, and is, it is an, it's, it's an abomination, really, of the pickled vegetable world. Um, I, it's, I, I can't get with that. I abhor it. I, uh, its whole existence offends me. It's kind of like, here's another thing. The bread and butter pickle, I'm talking a lot about food and weird stuff today. The bread and butter pickle, to me, is a little bit like kettle corn. And kettle corn is also a frustrating food because you've got, on the one hand, popcorn. You've got, on the other hand, caramel corn. Kettle corn seems to be in this strange middle ground where it's not really popcorn or cheese corn, so you don't get the savory thing. But it's not really caramel corn. It's like there's just enough sweetness there to sort of tempt you, and then it's gone. I find it to be... Uh, I like kettle corn. It's a little vexing to me. Here's Tim Riley. Is that the end of the pickle discussion? I suppose. I so, really want a deep fried pickle now. <laughs> I'm sure that somebody would be happy to drop one off. By the way, That's people... the first time I've seen one of those. I've never seen one. I'm curious to see what that would look like and taste like. Incidentally, people are sending us emails about cursive. Two years ago, a grade school teacher told me cursive writing and spelling will become obsolete due to the use of computers. Why teach kids to spell if they can use spell check? I do not agree with this, by the way. Best show ever, Jenny. Uh, am I, uh, am I uh, alone in this? That they tried to, I mean, they did teach me cursive for years using that weird lined paper where it has like the solid lined things and the, the dotted. Uh, line. And then upon success, you got a paper-made ballpoint pen. <laughs> Is that true? Yes, back in my day, I never got that. Um, all I got was sort of a pat on the head and like a, you know, and like a, like a sticker that was like a dog rolling around saying like "arf arf, good job." Um, but to this day, I, in fact, I'm looking at my matrix here. But I do this weird combination of printing and cursive, and I know a lot of you do people. You like cursive e, don't you? I do it. It's a hybrid, and I don't think there's any rhyme or reason to it. Uh, I'm looking at my matrix right here that I wrote before the show, and I do this weird mixture of printing and cursive, and I know a lot of people who do that. I guess cursive is there maybe to aid with speed. Is that the deal? It is, I is guess to be so. a more efficient form of writing. I think back in the days when people wrote friendly letters <laughs> to Master Rick Emerson, <laughs> I used to get letters. Uh, my uh, my aunt and uncle would do that. Uh, they would send me a thing, Master, and they would call me Master Rick Emerson. Uh, and I always found it kind of cool, but but a little weird too. You know what I mean? It always made me feel like I was Richie Rich because uh, Cadbury always used to call him Master Rich. All right. That's your Richie Rich show reference for the week. Here's Tim Riley. So now we got, uh, let's see, more inter-office email. It seems that uh, Kink put together this bicycle riding group, and last year they finished with .09 trips by bike. So now they want everyone to join so we can make them look better. Wait, what? What is this? It's Kink putting together a bicycle riding club. They didn't do well on their own last year, so now they want to include everyone at CBS to ride bikes. C I guess no, none of them do. CBS Radio... Rocks the Bike Commute Challenge. Join me as we show the Portland business marketplace that CBS Radio Portland is the green media. I've created a CBS radio team, and blah, 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 blah. It's easy to sign up. Roger, right to work. So, wait, what is, so what is this? So is this, is so this? They were looking at the figures last year, and Kink got .09. <laughs> they were so successful, they want everyone to sign up so they can take credit for everyone else's number. .09. That's sure. Is it the Kink team or is it the CBS radio team? I think it's the Kink team. Oh. I think that we're, I think we're all being expected to exactly. take one for Kink. Exactly. Uh, I don't see why we should do that. Well, doesn't it surprise I don't mean to sound snarky about this, but doesn't it surprise you that Kink did so badly? Oh, no. They actually note here it was anemic, an anemic yeah. performance. That sort of that sort of surprises me a little bit because they're you know 
They're uh, they're a crunchy they're a crunchy people over Granola there. folks. Yeah, I mean that, that's a sort of somebody made a good observation, which is that uh, kink is really the uh, kink is the Apple computer of CBS Radio Portland. It probably is. All right, here's Tim Riley. So that's that. Well, let's tell you about. Uh, oh. I don't want to do that one yet. I'll save that for one for later. Oh, I don't want to do that one yet either. It's just a whole series. It's a, let's see, what else? A I lot have... of uh, Texas girl stories. All right, let me pick something safe here. An ugly lamp contest is now underway at the Kentucky State <laughs> Fair. Lamps so ugly, most people wouldn't dare dream to decorate their homes with them, are the toast of the town at this year's Kentucky State Fair. Uh, the master of ceremonies named Patty said contestants from various states produce lamps of unspeakable horror. and produce, uh, They're looking for first place. We really have a good time with it. It's a blast. You never know what they'll come up with. One lamp entered is from Chris McQueen of Indiana, featuring a variety of holiday and celebrity themes. And the participants said he was shocked that this uh, hideous entry is on the top spot right now. How really, how can a lamp conjure up unspeakable horror? That seems like somebody is just, uh, they found the melodramatic section of the thesaurus. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do some of these calls, shall we? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hey, Rick. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Tom. What's up? Tom. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Uh, I live, I have the unfortunate, uh, uh, I don't know what word to use, unfortunateness of living in Canby. Yes. You know, we saw the, the, the car wreck yeah. on Friday night, and you know, I don't want to be morbid, but it was a very picturesque uh, fireball that went into the sky that was like something out of Die Hard. Well, so what is the deal? They were going the wrong way, and then they ended up on the train tracks? Stuck. Yeah, they, they, they were trying to go out of the... Uh, like the parking lot for the fair, and they like just went ended up on the train tracks basically as if their car was driving down the train tracks, and they got stuck. Wait, so they were going? Okay, so I must have missed that part of the story. Based, so is they were going across the tracks, or they were going down the tracks, like parallel? They were going down the tracks parallel with the train, and like their car was facing well, like the same direction as the train, and the train hit them from behind. Well, wait a minute, hold on. How did that? Okay, see, maybe we I'm, don't have that part of the story, but if you saw that. I can tell you that the people were from Woodburn, so that might uh, add a little bit to it. That's your observation, sir. <laughs> All right, thank you. Sure. Right, there we go. Well, train tracks are just—you would think that train tracks. The train tracks always have trains. That by and do, wouldn't you think that by now, just evolutionary sense would have sort of you know you would all know train tracks. That means no, because more people are born every day. This is a big country. I suppose. There right. are more stupid people here than there were, say, 10 or 20 years ago, for whatever reason. I think we all know the reason for that. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, the Bigfoot uh, DNA test has failed. I think we all know about this, too. Uh, Bigfoot remains as elusive as ever. Reports some tests on genetic material from the alleged remains of one of the mystical eight half-human creatures was made public at a news conference. Uh, it's spread fueled by a photograph by a hairy heap, uh, bearing a close resemblance to a shaggy, full-body gorilla What's your name, costume. heap? Harry Heap. Uh, stuffed into a container resembling a refrigerator. I, did you see the photograph yeah. I was talking about? The whole thing just makes me angry. I mean, it Somebody really... Somebody went to a costume shop and got a gorilla outfit. But, I mean, does it... Does It, it is the lamest-looking photograph. It's it really is. Worst Bigfoot ever. <laughs> does it surprise you? I was sort of, like, ranting to Court and Fatboy about this off the air. I, I understand that the media is about sensationalism, and the media, you know, news organizations, you know, they got to get ratings, and, and the viewers, like everybody else... There are only so many people getting hit by trains and burst into a ball of fire. We have to fill with other things. But, I mean, does it surprise you the ease with which the media was just gamed on this sort of a thing? I mean, some, some idiots just said, hey, we've got Bigfoot... See, CNN showed up. CNN is the world's premier news-gathering and disseminating organization. And they were there filming some guys who had a bad costume in a refrigerator. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's it, right? They had Ed McCarthy 
God bless him. Not on Ed there. McCarthy in a refrigerator. No, but I mean, all television talking about it. I mean, it used to be, I mean, I understand that, you know, the, the news shows, uh, you know, the sensational items and so forth, and they never met like a, you know, a car accident or a, a slow speed chase they didn't like. But I mean, the idea that I could just, you know, post some, put up some Craigslist thing about, uh, I found Bigfoot, and then like the AP would show up on my lawn. As, and I think that the bar used to be still a little bit higher for that. But, you know, what do I know? Residents of a rural Colorado town say a cow named Apple chased off a bear that had climbed into her favorite apple tree. A Jack McDonald of Hygiene, which is about 30 miles northwest of Denver, said the bear had climbed out of the tree when the cow approached it yesterday afternoon. The animals touched noses and hung out together for a bit before Apple chased the bear away. It was hilarious. There's no sign of either animal being hurt. Apple belongs to McDonald's landlady Nancy, who has a house on three rental units and 14 acres. Apple weighs 1,200 pounds and is more pet than livestock. She got her nickname because she loves apples from the tree that the bear had invaded. That's a water skiing squirrel. That is. Rick, uh, you mentioned that your aunt and uncle used to call you Master Rick. Reminds me of something I've always wondered. When you see a list of titles on forums, you always see Esquire among the PhDs, misters, etc. How does one become Esquire? Who knows? Is that a lawyer? It is. Lawyer Esquire. He says, is there a test? Do you fill out a form? None of that does, in fact, mean you are a lawyer. Uh, he so says, is Esquire magazine for lawyers? You know, that's a good question. I was just thinking that same so thing. So now, I, well, see, now the whole thing is thrown into uh, to, to confusion. Now I don't know. I do think that if you are Tim Riley Esquire, that does mean you are Tim Riley lawyer. So does that mean a lawyer is an honorable position in the eyes of many? I don't really know, but the scene that... So was there a, was Esquire sort of a, a, a generalized term that then became specialized to the field of law, or did it work the other way? Why do I care so much about it? Let me make a final observation here about uh, school and grades, because we're still getting... It's amazing how many people are embittered about having to learn cursive. I'm going to look at the cursive and math. I mean, the emails are just filling up from people who are angry about it. At some point, we could do a whole high concept about the most pointless class you ever took. Uh, I don't mean to be busting on people who know math or are into math or whatever. I guess my point is people who are smart enough and whose brains work in a very sort of, um, you know, they work in a very left-brained fashion to where they, they understand math. It's just my experience that those people are too smart for school already. So if you're a guy who really is into calculus, trigonometry, algebra, all of that stuff, you like to sit around and use words like hypotenuse in conversation, you're smart enough and understand math to such a degree that school's wasted on you anyway. You might as well just be at home reading popular mechanics. Uh, and meanwhile, you just got some gum chewer uh, who's sitting there. They're trying to, t trying to teach him about isosceles triangles. Well, that's just a road to nowhere. That guy's never going to learn anything. Uh, so my other thing is this. I used to get yelled at. All the time, not I mean to yell that, but I mean, you know, I would bring home like a C plus, and uh, you know, my mom or my dad or somebody or my teacher, you know, I would get the whole, uh, you know, you could do so much better if you only applied yourself, and they would hold up some C plus and they would like, you know, screech at me about how if I just worked harder I could exceed that C plus, and then I used to have these debates with my teachers all the time where I would point out that by dint of getting a C plus, I was already better than half the people in the world. I mean, if a C is average, right? A C plus, I mean, just by doing the bare minimum of effort and getting a C plus, I had, by definition, exceeded the performance of half the people in the country. And that never really seemed to carry the weight with them that it ought to have. I mean, really, mathematically speaking, a C plus, especially if you didn't have to work all that hard to get it, is pretty great. That means just by using like a third of my brain, I was able That's to best... That's not very hard. I'm just saying that by just kind of phoning it in and getting oh, a C+, plus, mm -hmm. a C-plus means you're exceeding the performance of 50% of the population of, of this world. So, 
things that I, I guess I am still bitter about a lot of things. Here's Tim Riley. Let's do one more. We'll take a break. Well, let's talk about the girl with a half a brain. A uh, Texas girl whose brain has been partially removed through surgery to save her life from a rare disease went home. Jessica Hall walked out of uh, Cook's Children's Hospital after the operation. She'll continue her therapy. They moved the right half of her brain because it was eaten away by a disease called Rasmussen's encephalitis. Wow. The disease part of the brain was removed before it could totally paralyze the whole brain. She will not lose her cognitive function after the operation, but she'll undergo rehab to learn how to use just a half a brain. So she can wait. So she lost half of half her brain, brain. Mm-hmm. but she's not going to lose any cognitive function. That's what it says. Well, that's kind of mystifying and great. Mm-hmm. Is it? Uh, no, she really didn't need the other half in the first place. Does it? Uh, does it say? I mean, do they say if it was? This is a dumb question. Is it like the left half, the right half, the front half, the back half? I believe they took out top, the left half. Bottom. Uh, the right half. They took out the right half of her brain, which she means she's the left half. using the left half of her brain, which means that her. She had Rasmussen's encephalitis. So probably her linear uh, thought processes will remain uh, relatively unchanged, but maybe her sort of free thinking or artistic, um, like her free form association might be diminished if she's missing the right half of her brain. Mm-hmm. That's weird that you could just to get half your brain taken out and still uh, and still be, you know, be functional. Mm-hmm. And the human body freaks me out. It really does. It's just, it weirds me out all the time. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. If you're on hold, hang tight. Your phone calls around the corner. It's already 1240. Uh, Tim Riley returns with the Ministry of Truth. More news on the way later on the top five and so forth. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. This email says, Rick, Friday was so hot, the thermometer in my car registered 116 degrees in the Albertsons parking lot. I was surprised the tires still worked. Yeah, it was 107. On Friday it was? It, uh, Saturday. So 107 was sort of the temperature in the air, I think. That was whatever they call it. Uh, but then the temperature on the ground was up to, I read, 124 I watched the temperature of my Volvo escalate as I drove out of the garage and down the street <laughs> to my destination. Where you can actually watch the gauge just going toward uh-huh. red. Exactly. Uh, let's see here. Uh, what else do we have? We have this. Rick. Uh, this is a limerick about haiku. Rick, in celebration of my disdain for people who think that a 575 syllable count automatically qualifies as poetry, I've written this. To a dumbass who writes haiku, find something better to do. You are not Japanese, so knock it off, please. Otherwise, I will punch you. We don't know that they're not Japanese. Uh, well, that's a fair point. Uh, there might be someone Japanese who enjoys exercising their native uh, abilities as a poet. Here's my thing about haiku. I find that haiku is one of those things that you're supposed to really like or be impressed by, but you're not. You know what I mean? It's like eggplant. Uh, did you ever eat eggplant? People are like, try this eggplant. It's fantastic. Eggplant is fundamentally without taste. There is no taste to eggplant. It, it, it is like eating a mouthful of textured air. There's nothing there. That's what a haiku is. A haiku is just sort of like... A haiku, I think, is supposed to, I believe that a haiku is supposed to mark you as like a sophisticate or maybe a cut above everybody else, you know, sort of intelligence-wise. I think it really just makes you look pretentious. That would be my read on the the use of haiku by most people. Uh, Here is uh, Tim Riley. Uh, Meanwhile, authorities cut open that dead bear who attacked uh, that that, uh, guy in Tennessee and found the shoe that was missing from the guy. The footwear was discovered in the black bear's stomach at the University of Tennessee Veterinary Medical Center. It leaves no doubt 
that rangers kill the right bear. Joseph Paler, who's a 43-year-old health insurance salesman from Boca Raton, Florida, with no backward experience, literally ran out of his shoes trying to get away from the bear. This is when it pounced on his boy when they were taking pictures on a Rainbow Falls trail. Twice. Oh, this is that, that soundbite we had where he's like, he grabbed the kid like three different times or yeah, something? Yeah, he grabbed yeah. the uh, young male bear's face, pulled his mouth apart, and pushed the 86-pound animal away so his son could escape. Uh, so then uh, man, the man came by and uh, shot the bear, and people were questioning, is this the right bear? And yes. Wait, so the bear was 86 pounds? No, the, the boy was 86 pounds. Oh, okay. I was going to say that's much less impressive. <laughs> yeah, that really I was really going to. I was going to rescind all <laughs> that my would comments be about, about the his size of my dog. I was <laughs> say like I, I, that, I, that can't possibly be a bear. It's only 86. I, I rescind your. I rescind all the uh, all the uh, heroism I was sort of uh, giving you. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello, uh, Esquire. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I I was busy taking a swig of visa. I barely knew her. All right. Uh, no, the Esquire, it's a, it's a medieval term. It was the squire uh, who took care of the property who uh, chased away the escrows. I'm sorry. I'll estoppel now. You lost everyone. Go away. Yes, sir. See, there, see, it's like there was some actual knowledge hidden in that call, but then it was like wrapped in so much bad punning, which was amusing, that I can no longer put any sort of a, the credence to the uh, you know, to the actual uh, facts contained therein. But it sounded like a quiz program, NPR on a Saturday morning. <laughs> what is that? We put an NPR pen. We we've talked about this before, but there's there's that whole the puzzle master, uh, the whole uh, the passel of shows on NPR. I don't know if it's Saturday or Sunday. I forget. But there's there's the there's wait wait don't tell me. Is that the one that's the news quiz? Yes, uh, I know where it has. That's the one that usually has more raka. I, I suppose that the that according to uh, the, the radio mores or mores, however you is it mores or mores? Mores. Is it mores? Mm. Like a sort of a, a sort of rule or guideline? Is it a mores? Yes. Is it a mores? Is it, wow. Is that just was a whole. That was just a whole forest of syllables. I couldn't find my way out of. Uh, anyway, so I guess you know, maybe technically speaking, a radio. We're not supposed to be talking about other radio stations, but. Let's do it. So, that doesn't count. But, but, on, but on NPR, they do that. There's the wait, wait, don't tell me, which I, I think, as you said, has Moraka, and then they get, they'll be the caller who calls up and they quiz about like some current event that happened this week. So that one's kind of moderately amusing. But what is that awful? There is the worst. Very home companion? No, no, no. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's hot in Lake Wobegon. Please, Garrison Keeler, take your last breath. <laughs> he won't. He keeps living. And it was time for the Knights of Columbus to have their annual shaved ice selling competition. And you got to take a deep breath between words. Down by the stream, the Elks Lodge was deciding to, and then there, and then somebody just starts playing a mandolin in the background for no reason, and then. It, uh, no, but there's there's some other terrible quiz show, and I, I don't even remember what it is. It's so awful. Uh, but it but it was exactly what that guy was just doing right there, where it's just terrible puns, and the audience sort of laughing at things that. Listening to NPR sometimes and to their sort of uh, their kind of expeditions into comedy and or contesting is a little bit like reading Doonesbury to me. Because, as I've said before, you, sometimes you read Doonesbury, and you're not quite sure what the joke is. Like, you sort of read Doonesbury, and then you read it a second time, and you go, is there something here I'm just not getting? 
Maybe I'm not smart enough. It's like reading those comics that are inside the back page of the Portland Mercury, where you're kind of wondering if you're just not bright enough to get the joke. Oh, I love those. Maybe the joke is that there is no joke, and so then you're be- and then so the Mercury people are laughing at you because you're reading the comic looking for a gag and there isn't one. And that's oh, sometimes a- they're well, just no, they, that's just space to fill if they don't have advertising for whores. <laughs> It's the it's the go-to page filler. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, let's talk about things that people really want to know about. This month's uh, wedding went off without a hitch from Mike and Don Speck of Evergreen, Colorado. That is, unless you count the bolt of lightning that zapped the groom in his backyard during the wedding ceremony. My pot's not up. In the backyard during the wedding ceremony. My pot's still not up. Somebody must have pushed a button over the weekend. I've got nothing. Let's try it again. Here we go. It was so bright. Here we go. The bright flash, but I heard a little electric. I heard the first, you know, that you can hear that the, the electric, electricity. The I mean, electricity. You can hear the, and then you get all warm. Yes, the bolt hit him in his own backyard. I'm standing right here. The lightning came down right here. Boom. He wasn't going to let a little lightning strike ruin his wedding day. <laughs> it was a great <laughs> wedding. It was, you know. Everybody who came there said it was probably the best wedding they ever been to. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Where was that at? This happened in Evergreen, Colorado. E- excellent. I do love the fact that he used the phrase electricity. Uh, wasn't there one of those uh, schoolhouse rocks Saturday morning, the more you know, animated things about electricity? Does that sound familiar? Anybody know what I'm talking about? No. I do believe there was, and it was like, a, it was one of those sort of like, I'm just a bill sitting on Capitol Hill cartoons. But I think it was like a... I think I do remember somebody thinking electricity. And he's, yeah, he sounded like Scatman Crothers mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, but he was like, I think he was a light bulb with wings uh, that flew around, and it was something about don't mess with electricity or something like that. It was sort of an animated version of the uh, the zap rap, which I think the whole point of that was to not pick up down power lines. All right, here's Tim Ryan. The blushing bride, Don Speck, couldn't believe her fiancé was struck by lightning during the wedding ceremony. I, I can't even tell you. I was seriously a nervous wreck anyway, and then... You know, we had company, and it Sounds was like the smoking calmed her down. Crazy. All right. Here's the thing. I don't. Well, I don't understand a lot about lightning, but let me let me ask you this. There've been fourteen thousand lightning strikes. Oh, fourteen hundred. That's who counted them. Today in Portland, you with a clicker in Oregon. See, but that's made up. They don't know that. I know. How did they figure that out? No, that's a that is a that's like the uh, TriMet thing where it's just a representative sample. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where they watch uh, they watch one bus for one hour, they compare it to last year, and then they say, voila, up by thirty five percent, made up. Uh, also, because who's going to disagree? Who's going to call them out on their fabricated statistics? No one except for us. Uh, so I don't understand this about lightning strikes. I uh, All of my knowledge about being struck by lightning uh, comes from this one Reader's Digest article that I read when I was about 11 years old from the drama in real life uh, category. Uh, do they still sell Reader's Digest? I never yes, see it'll it. never go away. If you have a subscription, you can never get rid of it. I never, uh, I never see that at the store anymore. It's always like, uh, you know, uh, like miracle stories from the Bible and like a and like a word find thing. And then like three different soap opera magazines. From Russia with Hate. Yeah. It's one of the favorite ones they used to have. I'm not sure if they do it. Man, we, you know, we could do a whole bit on this program. Maybe this, is, maybe this is a bad idea. Maybe it's not. I can't really tell. It's in that vague sort of ill-defined area where it's either genius or awful. There is a fine line between clever and stupid after all. Where we could just read old Reader's Digest articles because they're all only like a page and a half long. Yeah. I mean, they're all very short. But they're just so they're they're so um, uh, 
kind of melodramatic, right? They're all they're all meant to just stir up all of this like fear and anxiety. A lot of them about um, about uh, communists. Mm-hmm. I have uh, my parents subscribed to Reader's Digest, as did everybody. It was like a rule, I think, in yeah. suburban America in the fifties and sixties, like you. Like when you were born, like you were given a subscription to Reader's Digest. It just came forever. And so one of the things we would get, we would have Reader's Digest, which we would never throw away. It's like you would keep them forever for reasons that are sort of unknown to me. And the Reader's Digest condensed books. That's the other thing. So we got the Reader's Digest condensed books, too. And they were great because you didn't have to read them. Relatives would get them to you. You just fill up the bookshelves and makes it look smart. So whatever room, they, whatever room they're putting. <laughs> you look like one of those guys. And have you been injured in an auto accident? And he's standing in front yeah. of a bookcase that's filled with books you know he's never read, and you suspect that they're cardboard. <laughs> but they're they're probably just Reader's Digest condensed books. You know what place was filled with Reader's Digest condensed books? The Swingers Club. When we all went to the tour of the Swingers Club, I remember Club, that. Uh, we went on the tour of the Swingers Club, which used to be a residence. It used to be a big house, and there's this one section that used to be the living room and is now like one of the big humping rooms. And uh, but there's a bunch of bookcases left there, all filled with Reader's Digest condensed books, which were actually from the original house, probably never read. Well, people are too busy to read the entire article. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I'll be done. I have two more pages to go. <laughs> then I'll, I'll remove my hosiery for you. <laughs> During one's refractory period, one can. Uh, one can read one can read a shortened version of Alone Against the Atlantic Richie by Jerry Bristol, Spice. Richie Bristol is reading War and Peace, but he'll be with you in five minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, but so there's three different things. A, we would keep all the Reader's Digest. B, we would get Reader's Digest condensed books, and that's a whole fascinating thing too. The idea. I mean, is that a thing that you suppose? I mean, it doesn't even seem legal in some way, right? I mean, because they're taking your copyrighted work. And chopping it down to like, imagine you're some writer, you've poured 10 years of your life into creating some masterpiece, and some jerk at Reader's Digest has boiled it down to 70 pages. Um, I mean, and I would read those when I was a kid, and I didn't really know any better, I guess, because I didn't quite get the concept. I remember reading a lot of, God, I'm trashy. I remember reading a lot of Reader's Digest condensed books as a kid, and because, and when I was like 10 or 11, because I don't think I quite grokked what they were all about. I don't think I got that they were, that I was being denied about half of the book. Um, and so I was really impressed with my own reading ability, that I could plow through like three novels in a weekend. Uh, but I never really realized it's because they were all cut down, uh, you know, by hundreds of pages. The one I read over and over again was this one called Alone Against the Atlantic by Jerry Spice. And it was about this guy who had built a 10-foot sailboat boat in his garage, uh, in which he then sailed across the Atlantic. Um, what was my point? So there was the Reader's Digest condensed books, and then there was this. Every 10 years, though, they would then give you the Reader's Digest, like, 20th anniversary, like, collection, or 30th anniversary collection. And it was just a collection of most loved articles and musings from the previous decade. And there was this one, the Reader's Digest 20th anniversary collection, that for some reason, it's like every third article was just all of this anti-communist propaganda about how the Red Menace was infiltrating American schools. And it's just unbelievably fascinating. Uh, I'll bring that in. We'll read it. Uh, we'll read it aloud from our Reader's Digest at some point. That'll be fascinating. Oh, one more uh, highlight of this guy who was struck by lightning during his wedding ceremony. Uh, Mike Speck said the lightning bolt that uh, struck him also set his neighbor's house on fire. Hopefully they can see like people like myself and David and the other Paralympic athletes um, you know, going over there. That is not a man whose house was hit by lightning. Just a minute. I demand to find the right soundbite here. Uh, let me go back. Would you like me to kill time? Yes, please do. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, Rick. This is Bill. What's up? Hey, Richie's in a good mood. He was singing me a song when he answered the phone. What song was he singing? <laughs> My bowling buddy, Bill. 
What? He's crazy. Okay. I, I, I pulled with you guys at the, over at the uh, raising the money for charity. Oh, excellent. Thank you, sir. How can I help you today? Well, they can actually count every single lightning strike shows up on radar. And unless you have two in exactly the same place at the same time, then they'll just be short one. But they can actually physically count every single lightning strike. All right, duly noted. So, uh, so yeah, they you can call Carl Click. You know his weatherman there can tell you all about it. So it's not a thing that they're just pulling out of their uh, nether regions. Absolutely not. All right, thank you, sir. Okay, see all you right, guys. There you go. By the way, so just real quickly, the reason I'm talking about readers' address, everything I know about being struck by lightning comes from this drama in real life uh, story that I read when I was about 11 about a kid who was out playing soccer. Uh, some uh, like teenage kid out playing soccer, hit by lightning, and it was like this, you know, it was this horrifying slash inspiring story about how it like blew his brains out of his ears, and then he had to learn to walk again or something. And, you know, he had to like he because had to... he had faith in God, it was no problem. <laughs> he can, so can you. It always and those stories always had, but the family's strong Methodist beliefs pulled them through, and it's like. And, of course, you know, when his tongue got burned off or something, so he's, like, having to, like, indicate with, like, putting his feet on a mat on the floor like Mr. Ed. You know, and so, but it's always like, you know, but but their strong beliefs and family togetherness will see them through the tunnel or whatever. But it's like he got hit by lightning while playing soccer, and, I mean, it just, it, I mean, really, it just, like, burned out about 80% of his brain. He's able to open the garage door with a pencil in his mouth. <laughs> so I don't understand how then, like, this guy can get hit by lightning at his wedding, but it's still, like, you know... But he just gets back up and then gets back to doing the chicken dance or something. I just It seems very arbitrary how lightning affects you. So Mike Spexer, the lightning bolt that hit him, also set his neighbor's house on fire. We had to get a garden hose. We had to, I had to yank the rest of the siding off because I couldn't get to the fire. You know, it was, it was really funny. I mean, presumably he sounded like that before he was hit by lightning. Mm -hmm. Isn't lightning like a billion, jillion volts? Yes. I mean, it's like a gigawatt, right? I mean, it's... I don't understand, and I don't even know that this is a thing I want the explanation to, because God knows I won't understand it. I don't know. How is it that I can stick, like, a fork or something into a, into an outlet or put my finger in a light socket, and I think that'll kill you, won't it? Mm -hmm. Or, like, if I... Or if a toaster it'll falls into the back. bathtub, that'll kill you? So Why how are you making toast in the bathroom? Well, you know, sometimes you got to multitask. Okay. Uh, so how is it that, like, you know, if you, the hair dryer falls into the bathtub, you're dead, you can be hit by lightning, and he's talking fine. I mean, it was, you know, his Rube dialect appears completely unaltered. It just doesn't. It doesn't make any sense at all. Completely. See, this is. This it's is, the amount of time to what you're, which you're exposed to the shocking. You, if you're in the bathtub with the with the toaster, she's going to keep shocking you until you're done with lightning. It's just kind of like poop, just once. Are you making that up? So, like an educated guess. No, yeah, no, like no, no, I don't might, know what I'm talking about, but I'm saying like after a long period right. of time of being shocked, I would say that would probably do more damage. That sounds like it might be correct, but I don't really know. All right. Well, in any event, so there. This is another reason I found school frustrating because even if somebody is to call up now and explain the answer to me, it will undoubtedly go out of my brain just like right off a Teflon pan. I, 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 I will have no retention uh, of said answer. Here's Tim Riley. Now, by the way, the news is brought to you by Lapes Auto Collision Centers, finest in collision repair. Go to Lapes.com and find out what Lapes can do for you. And you are listening to KCMD Portland, CBS Radio Station, the Tiffany Network. Well, this just in: Russia has deployed short-range missiles in South Odessa. A violation of the ceasefire with Georgia. Tensions continue to run high in the ongoing territorial dispute between Russia and the former Soviet satellite of Georgia. Earlier today, a White House spokesman, Gordon Jondro, this is like from the D-list, how can they possibly take this? <laughs> Gordon Jondro, speaking for uh, America, urged Russia to... Speaking for America. <laughs> withdraw, trips, uh, ...withdraw troops from Georgia without delay. Jondro said the U.S will be closely monitoring troop movements in Georgia and expects Russia to live up the, with the pledges that they signed on that piece of paper. 
Mr. John Grove, brief reporters near President Bush's ranch in Crawford, Texas. The president is busy clearing fresh out there. Russia claims it has begun withdrawing troops from Georgia, but of course it's not really happening. I love the uh, I, I love the idea, by the way, that that sounds like it ought to be like his own television show. You know, mm-hmm. speaking for America. Here is uh, Tim Riley. Let's see what else I have here. Uh, Tropical storm Faye is expected to grow stronger as it moves off the Cuban coast and threatens Florida. Once it gets out over the Florida Straits, we anticipate that the system will strengthen somewhat and maybe even approach hurricane force as it reaches the Florida Keys later this afternoon and this evening. The what Keys? All me right there. You never even got off the blocks. I didn't know you were going to do it. Mm -hmm. Here's Tim Riley. Floodwaters rushed off through the Grand Canyon yesterday, leaving hundreds of stranded tourists and local American residents, oh, local Native American residents, in need of rescue. An earth dam about 20 miles southeast of the canyon broke after torrential rains, sent a wall of water down the uh, creek toward the town of Supai. It's a Native American village located at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. A Red House, uh, a Red Cross spokeswoman named Tracy said even the most prepared visitors to the canyon uh, told her that they were caught off guard. They hadn't seen flash floods like this before in all of their adventures, that it happened so quickly, and it was pretty terrifying, but, but they had been trained, and they were, they were secured and safe and found higher ground, and they are okay. Except for the Indians. Uh, back to school time means back to germs for students and teachers. That's according to the PTA and the national president, Jan Harp Dorman who says parents need to realize that their kids are being exposed to germs at school and must take action immediately. We are are working very uh, hard to educate parents on the fact that the surfaces in our school classrooms are surfaces that are very likely to be covered by germs because of the fact that you have lots of children using them. I am empty. My life is without joy. The PTA is my whole existence. I will die embittered and alone. Ms. Dorman says having children sing or say something while they wash their hands is a uh, good trick. How about washing your hands while you re- recite the ABCs or you sing Happy <laughs> Birthday or you sing the national anthem? How about, you know, picking a song that's a, a popular song for your 13-year-old or 14-year-old and tell them, sing this song while you're washing your hands. <laughs> we should use this here at CBS Portland. Jesus. You know, uh, put up a little sign. Whistle Sing happy work. birthday while Yavo Tumanos. <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Everson radio program. Hello. Hey, Rick, how you doing? What's up? Um, uh, you were talking about why people, some people die about electricity and some people don't. Yeah. Uh, it, it depends on where it passes through you when you talk about being grounded. Like, let's say you uh, you touch a line with your one hand and then you touch it with your foot. Uh-huh. It could travel through your arm and go to your heart, and it destroys... The uh, the mechanism that kind of acts like a pacemaker, so you just your heart just stops beating. Right. Same with your head. If it shocks it to your head, it's going to just send you know all that electricity into your neurons, and it'll just fry you. Right. But if it goes like from your knee to your foot, well then it won't be so bad. Nice. I had a friend who uh, whose uncle worked for the uh, cable company. He got electrocuted, and it didn't kill him, but because it grounded out of the bottom of his shoe, it basically blew his heel apart. Oh, that's no good. <laughs> Wait, so is that like a, so you're saying like if lightning hit your knee, you probably wouldn't die? Yeah, kind of. I mean, it, it, it also depends on the infection. We we watched a movie, I don't know why we watched this in high school, but we watched a movie about uh, industrial accidents and a guy got electrocuted. <laughs> because it's fun. <laughs> and it went through his hand out of his elbow. And oh. 
it hurt, like extreme pain, but you didn't see anything wrong with his arm. But then after the day slowly went by, his arm got worse and worse and worse. And when they finally went to amputate it because it was, you know, all messed up, uh-huh. they did a cross-section, and the skin was pink, but the bone was black and ash. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. Because it just burns you from the inside out. So it's like a microwave in that regard. Very much so. Excellent. All right. Thank you, sir. No problem. All right, there you go. We watched a film about industrial accidents. Ah, oh, okay. You know what somebody ought to put out is a box set of those traffic safety films they used to show you when you were learning how to drive, and it was, the pavement went red, you know, whatever. It was like, and there was always that one shot. I remember I saw that. Oh, those are so great. I mean, they're... they're, they're... The, the stick figure with blood coming out of its head? Oh, we didn't get stick figures. We got people with blood coming out of their heads. Uh, did they not show you the ones with the real accident victims? No. Oh, dude, you missed out. Uh, so. At your prep school, they must have been that. You must have been the uh, treated more gently. They, they, Perhaps so. Uh, you must have been that. Uh, they you, they treated you with a, a more kid glove approach. Uh, no, it, when I was going to, and this was I went to high school in the uh, the early nineties. Uh, I think I took driver's ed maybe in nineteen ninety something like that. Um, but but we would watch these traffic safety films, and it was always this one shot that they would show, and it was a car that had like hit something, and the car had somehow caught on fire, maybe a mishap with a railroad track. And they would always do the same thing. They would show, like, the charred bodies sitting in the seats and, like, the one corpse, the hand still on the steering wheel. And they had to be, like, broken off of the steering wheel. And it was just, and it was, like, but they just looked like Cajun-style uh, people. <laughs> just, like, sort of sort of blackened driver uh, just sitting there in the car as they're, like, cutting the car open with the jaws of life. That was the one thing they always showed us. And then, when you guys were in driver's ed, did you have to do the, the simulator? What the is simulator. that? The simulator. Uh, was that I, I already know the answers. No, then the simulator was this, you would, it was like, um, it was like a, it was like a, a chair you would sit in. It was like a chair. It was sort of like, did you ever play a video game, like a recent a driving game where it comes with a little gas pedal and the brake pedal and a steering wheel? You know what I'm talking about, like with a Nintendo or whatever. Like a, in a video arcade. Yeah, like that. It's yeah. sort of like that in the arcade where it's like you're playing a driving game and you got a wheel uh, and you got the brake and the gas and sometimes like the, uh, the stick shift or whatever. It was like that. And there was about 10 of them in the room. There was no screen, though. The screen was just the sort of pull-down projection screen at the front of the classroom. And all the... Uh, all the little consoles you would sit in were hooked to some sort of like like a sort of rudimentary computer of the day. They would then start a film, and the film had these predetermined points at which something on the screen would happen, like a kid would run in front, or like a ball would bounce into the road or something. And you sitting in your little pretend car in the classroom were supposed to respond accordingly by hitting the brake or turning or whatever, and a computer would track to see if you had responded correctly. The computer and the film it's kind of cool now that I think, but the computer and the yeah, film were... Yeah, really li- high-tech for Kennewick. Yeah, I know. The computer and the film were linked so they could tell if you responded at the right moment or whatever. And they could also do spot checks to see what you were getting. You know, so that occasionally the teacher would be like, Ted, you're going 90 miles an hour. Slow down. You know, they would they could check to see what you were doing every now and again. They were kind of cool. And there was this one training film they would use that was everybody's favorite, and it was just called... Crash! With an exclamation mark. And it literally was like about every night, and you know, you're watching the film, and it's like a first person perspective as though you were driving, and you're in your, you're in your little toy, you know, car thing in the classroom driving along. And about every five seconds, like, you know, you would see like a volleyball bounce into the road and like 15 children would run for the car. And no, and every, you hit them every time. Like, no one, no one ever missed the kids. The kids got killed every single time. So the ball lived, but the kids died. Yeah, totally. No, the ball would bounce out of the way and you'd be like, well, that's, oh, God, wham, you know. Uh, and so, I mean, we must have killed 80 or 90 kids a day uh, in that class. So here's Tim Riley.
Well, an armed robber asked for ten minutes to escape after stealing four dollars. This happened in Vancouver. An armed man noticed a, a door wide open to a Vancouver apartment complex, walks in, and robs all the residents early this morning, and he got their life savings, four dollars. One of the victims told police two men entered after midnight. The door was ajar. This is always how it happens, so make sure your doors are not ajar late at night. One of the men pointed a semi-automatic handgun and ordered everyone to get on the floor. Uh, then they robbed everyone and got $4. $4. They warned everyone not to call uh, the police for 10 minutes so they could get away. So there are two suspects involved here. And they probably split, uh, split the $4. They might have got a burger and an order of fries, but not much more, even if they split it up. One is a white male, an unknown age, a slender build, about 5'7". He's wearing a black bandana over his face. He shouldn't be hard to find. He's also wearing uh, sunglasses, blue jeans, and a black T-shirt. So uh, black T-shirt, black bandana. And it's covering his face. Duly noted. Then the other fellow is wearing uh, blue jean shorts. That sounds tacky. And a black backpack. The man uh, never stopped out of the doorway, so they didn't get a good look at him. Oh, by the way, speaking of blue jean shorts, I think Richie brought in uh, the Versace belt that caused him all that <gasps> yeah. trouble last oh, week. Oh, yes. That belt in which he got caught until he... So, I'll have to tell the whole story here. We'll have to do it later on. But last week, Richie apparently had some incident where he was trying on a $300 Versace belt. Mm-hmm. That he had he, already purchased. That he had already purchased. He'd cinched it too tight, couldn't get out of it, didn't want to cut the belt off because, again, cost $300. He's telling us the story. He's wearing, like, $30 Crocs uh, with no socks. So he gets caught inside this $300 Versace belt that was actually then so tight he then wet his pants at one, at one point, after which he was able to relax the belt a little bit and get it off. So a lot of questions were raised about exactly how does one get caught inside a belt anyway. I mean, that does... That really is just one step above dolphins getting caught inside one of those, like, six-pack containers. So I guess he brought the belt today, and I'm going to try it on and see what happens. So uh, here's Tim Riley. Are you going to do it next to the restroom, just in case? No, I, I have faith in my own ability to, uh, to de-belt myself. Oh, guess what? The world's tallest woman has died. She was seven feet, seven inches tall. And she died in Shelbyville, Indiana. Her name is Sandy Allen. She was 53 years old. Uh, apparently, she was always nice to everyone. I worked at school, and uh, they, their church would come out there and have uh, suppers, and she came. And by the time she was about 13, she'd have to lean her head down. And uh, she was real nice, real polite girl. Bruce Dern, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, Ken from Shelbyville says he got to meet Sandy when she got involved with activities for children. Just normal. No, we didn't tell. Uh, exploit anything or anything, right? And she was handing out bags uh, for Halloween bags. for the kids out at the fairgrounds. And that's where we got to meet her, and it was very nice. Carl from Shelbyville says he got to know her. <laughs> well, he was a pastor at her nursing home. Yeah, I was a pastor here for a while. Not her, but uh, I'd go into the nursing home every now and then, and I'd see her out there. Wonderful lady. Shall we always be remembered for her extraordinary growth? <laughs> what? That sounds... Probably not like how you wanted it to sound. All right. Okay. Here's Tim Riley. <laughs> Taking time out from tending a dirt clod collection. Well, Dolly Parton has introduced a new entertainment area in her Dolly. I don't want to be remembered for an extraordinary growth. <laughs> it looked just like Warren Harding. Adventure Martin will be ready for the people to come for the Festival of Nations beginning March 28th of next year. The park's new celebration celebrates the 75th anniversary of the nearby Great Smoky Mountain National Park. Additionally, a new show, Imagine, is presented by Le Grand Cirque. The production will include a cast of athletes, performers, acrobats, exhibiting extraordinary skills in contortion, mime, 
silk ropes, and other performances. Where? Dollywood. Oh, Dollywood. Mm-hmm. All right. uh, Gary Glitter's release from prison doesn't mean he'll have freedom to go about where he pleases. The UK uh, Times says British police will be at the airport to meet the disgraced rocker, whose real name is Paul Francis Gadd, when he arrives in London following his deportation from Vietnam. They plan to interview him upon his return and have him register as a sex offender. That means he's going to have to tell police where he'll be living and provide updates on his whereabouts if he moves. He said he intends to remain in the U.K., but uh, he has some medical and dental issues that will take him back to Asia, noting he has lots of friends in Singapore and Hong Kong. It would be nice if, uh, if part of his release was that he did not look so creepy. That guy, he just, I mean... I mean, he is creepy, but he also looks creepy. I mean, Gary Glitter looks, uh, he looks exactly like the kind of guy that you would catch on a playground exposing himself. I mean, he really does. He's just, he's all kinds of, you look at him and it just, uh, it makes your blood run cold. Uh, we will continue with the uh, new news hour from the Ministry of Truth in just one moment. Uh, let's welcome to the Rick Emerson Show our good friend Amanda Moyer from the CNN Radio uh, Center. Although I think you are actually in Florida. You are in Naples, are you not? I am. I'm actually on Fort Myers Beach, right out on the water. So I never exactly know, uh, because you know we're not we're not in that part of the country. We're in the Northwest, and really all I know about these storms when they happen is what I see on the Drudge Report. And so Drudge never met a storm that he didn't like to call the worst storm in the history of everything. And it's always like hell storm, fay prepare you know prepares to rain, biblical floods on whatever. But so what is the nature of the, because we had a lot of listeners uh, in Florida, what is the nature of the storm and kind of how, how far out is it right now? Well, that, that it's not going to be the worst storm ever, but forecasters are predicting it to hit the west coast of Florida Tuesday. It could be a Category 1 hurricane. That's about 74-mile-per-hour winds. It did pass over the Keys. It made landfall there about an hour ago, but it was a strong tropical storm. It has 60-mile-per-hour sustained winds, and it's moving at 13 miles per hour heading up the coast. Here's a dumb question. When they say a tropical storm, is that just because of the part of the world that it's in? What what makes it a tropical storm? It's because it's moving over the warm waters. So the, right now, the, the gulf is about 87 degrees. And as the storm turns over those warm waters, it gains strength. But if, in the Pacific, it tends to be colder. All right. So this, I mean, this is a, you know, people there, obviously, you know, this sort of thing happens with, I guess, some amount of regularity. So, I mean, what, what preparations can one make for this, or is it just a whole lot of... I mean, because, you know, if you live in a place where there's tornadoes, there's obviously a certain, you know, there's tor- tornado cellars or, you know, sort of safe zones you go to. But, I mean, for a tropical storm, what, do you, what, is, it, what is it you do? What precautions does one take? Well, people typically start boarding up their homes. They buy a lot of plywood, put that over top of windows, buy generators, stock up on uh, batteries, uh, flashlights, uh, candles, all of the necessities to get them through the the next couple of days. A lot of people go and buy some uh, canned food and uh, those type of things, just really just the basic things to get them through. Um, Power is usually out in the storm. Um, Sometimes it's a couple of hours, sometimes it's a couple of days, depending on how strong. Are you going to get to do that uh, that cool sort of stand-up thing where you're outdoors, you know, and, you know, we go to CNN, you know, correspondent Amanda Moyer, and you're out there and the trees are like at a 90-degree angle behind you and there's wind and you're sort of bravely looking into the camera as you report from from the heart of the storm? 
Yes, I do that every time there is one. Stand outside, brace yourself, put your leg around a pole or hold onto a tree or wherever you can anchor yourself and uh, just stand out there and describe what you see and uh, try not to get hit with anything flying through the air. Fantastic. You ought to just uh, really at some point, maybe in the future, you ought to step it up and just uh, just have yourself chained to a tree for the entire storm, really, just and just have a live uh, web feed going of you lashed to a tree for the duration of the storm. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> all right. Well, that's nice of you to say. All right. Uh, all right. Well, uh, stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Amanda. Okay. There you go. See you in a radio correspondent, Amanda Moyer. I think she liked it. I think she did, too. I can tell she's not going to pursue that idea, but she what can you do? It. Not everything is a gold. Not everything can be genius. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, um, your story about the DMV simulators reminded me of my first ever solo drive. Not solo, but I mean, you know, the four of you get in the car with the instructor. Where it's the two teachers and you're in the front, or the two students in the back, you're in the front, the teacher and the passenger. Yeah. And, And the first drive, I'm a very good driver, but I was really nervous as a kid. And so um, of the whole class, I got the lowest score. And so for the rest of the year, I was known as 2.2. Hey, it's 2.2. <laughs> That's I, there was a, This was not when I was uh, taking driver's ed, but it was the next year. So I think I must have been a junior, and this was uh, with the kid who was a sophomore. And his name, I won't give his last name because it probably still haunts him, but his name was John. And he was parking in Kennewick's bustling downtown business district where there was like a true value hardware store. Right. And the deal is you had to angle into the parking nose first, and he let, I think it was it must have been a stick shift, and he let off the clutch too soon and drove right through the front of the store into the store. About, went, <laughs> the whole, went right through the doors, the double, the glass, everything, and the, nobody was injured, but he went about four feet into the, 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 the like the floor, uh, the showroom floor. You know so. the really sad part of that story is? Hmm. He probably had a higher score than I did. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. There you go. All right. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Well, it sounds like a headline from the National Enquirer, but somebody has stolen a two-headed turtle from a Brooklyn pet store. The reptilian oddity have been on display at the Hamilton Doghouse since last month, but the owner, Sean Casey, said somebody pilfered the pet when he was dealing with a customer yesterday. Casey, who runs an animal rescue program, said a man from Florida had donated the extremely rare turtle to him last year. From where? Florida. <laughs> You did not. And that he nursed the turtle back to health before putting it on display in the store. Casey said the turtle needs special care because it has two heads. <laughs> and he's hoping the turtle napper has, uh, does the right thing and brings the reptile back to its rightful owner. Excellent. Madonna was in a celebratory mood this weekend, hosting her 50th birthday party with a private reception at a nightclub in London's West End. Uh, sources say 90 people showed up for the surprise party that included her three kids, Lotus, Rocco, and David, and her husband, Guy Ritchie, was reportedly stood up and delivered a speech about the material mom. At half-century, Madonna shows no sign of slowing down. They even interviewed some other people that they found in the world who are also 50 and showed them actually walking and doing exercise and things like that. Uh, uh, a girl in a fatal wreck was sending text messages while she crashed. Authorities say a 16-year-old girl died after losing control in her car. She'd been texting at the time on her cell phone. Carla Pruce of uh, Highland, California, was driving an I-5 in Redlands when she lost control and crashed. She died of massive head injuries. She'd also been driving drunk and speeding and texting at the same time. Uh, her cell phone was found flipped open, and it was found next to her dead body. Mm. That's creepy. It's totally creepy. Mm-hmm. I wonder what they, if they're going to reveal what the text message was. No, see, I was just thinking the same thing, but I wasn't going to ask. Like it was that. like a fight with a boyfriend or something. Uh, mm. uh, yeah. What would a 16-year-old be talking about? I don't really know. I'm not going to ponder it. 
Well, let's talk about this uh, skin-hanging man injured at a tattoo expo. This is from Deerfield Beach, Florida. Florida. Damn it, I'm sorry, I was distracted by a thing. A man being suspended in the air by six metal hooks, clamped to his skin during an act at a tattoo convention, fell and broke his leg. Uh, this performer named Jimmy Penango is now in critical condition. Now, did he... Uh, okay, well, let Have you go ahead. Have you ever seen those people hang, yes. hanging from hooks? Now, is it... But, I mean, were they clamps or hooks? It says here, hooks. <sighs> please, tell, please tell me that the skin just ripped. Apparently, this happened uh, at the South Florida Tank 2 Expo. Performers organized who say Penango had been uh, lifted about 35 feet in the air but was dipping down when he fell to the ground about 12 feet. Organizers said the mechanical malfunction of a piece of rigging equipment caused his fall. Now, see, but, but, but there's so much that I that I want to know about this that they're not putting in the story. So I we've know, all seen, like, if you go to the Jim Rose Circus Sideshow or any of those sort of modern-day freak shows, you see this, where it's a, or if you watch the movie The Cell, I think the guy does that, too, where he's got hooks through his skin, mm-hmm. sort of like the scruff on the back of a dog's neck, but it's just like uh, the scruff on the back of your back. Oh. Uh, and it's these guys who are just hanging from, like, like meat hooks, basically, going through the skin on their back. So if there's a mechanical malfunction and he falls... I guess something tears, doesn't it? Well, that's what I'm thinking. If, like, part of it, you know, if, in other words, part of it malfunctions and then his body sort of jerks or, or lists or whatever, mm-hmm. that's got to then exponentially increase the load on the skin that's being held up by the other hooks. And so it must just be a whole lot of, like, rip, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just want to know if there's, a, if there's video of this. I haven't seen any thus far. All right. A woman has become impaled on a statue of a Hindu goddess. A woman had to be cut free after impaling her arm on three-inch metal spikes attached to a statue of the Hindu goddess Kaylee. A 30-year-old victim fell onto the spikes at her home in uh, Manchester, which is in uh, Britain. It took fireman 30 minutes to free her by cutting through the spikes with a hacksaw. Uh, uh. The woman had fallen onto the statue uh, within the house. They had to cut through the part where she had impaled her arm. It took about 30 minutes. The victim isn't named. It is understood she fell onto the statue while uh, staggering around. Uh, Kelly is the goddess of time and change, is generally associated with death and destruction. Oh, that's a, okay, Kali, that's a, like uh, Indiana she's Jones in the she's Temple of Doom. sticking her tongue out. That's the, uh, that, that's what the, that's what the Indy is when he's talking to Mola Ram or whatever, and he, you know, aren't they worshipping Kali in the Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom? I believe so. I Say hello right. to Kali in hell! Or something like yeah. that. All right. Well, never mind. Hey, I have a question. Mm-hmm. I made this, We were talking about driving. Uh, so I made this note to myself. I said we went to, uh, to Aaron's, uh, Aaron Duran's uh, house on Saturday uh, because it was his wife's birthday. So we go there, and it's you know, just a hell of a time trying to find a place to park. Uh, you know, it's just that thing where it's just like sort of a... Sort of a residential neighborhood, but then there's some schools and whatnot nearby, and you can never really tell where you can park and where you can't. And then I found this place to park that I thought was legal, and then I saw this sign, and I wrote the the actual text of the sign. Uh, This is 8.40 p.m. on Saturday night. I wrote down the text of this parking sign near Aaron's house. Tell me what you think this means. This is a city sign. It says, parking 15 minutes, driver to remain at wheel, 7A to 4P, school days only. You're safe to park there, then. But is that true? Yes. Parking 15 minutes, driver to remain at wheel, 7A to 4P, school days only. Does yeah. that mean... That... Did it have a 15-minute sign above it with the arrow and then say that? No, it didn't. See, that's the thing. It was all text. I think you're safe. So my question is, if, when it says school days only, I have there's like four different instructions going on in this parking sign. And I couldn't tell if it was like school days only, 7A to 4P, 
I think they make them purposely confusing so you can never park anywhere. No, so I ended up parking like four blocks away and you know, they did the hiking and up the street of the heat because I couldn't figure out what the hell the sign meant. I think that means, yeah, you have to stay in the car. Maybe it's for like parents picking up kids from school. But see, that's I thought maybe you could only park there on school days. Parking 15 minutes, driver to remain at wheel, 7 to 4, school days only. And I thought, well, maybe that means you can only park here, you know, like school days, but you have to keep it free the rest of the time. I had no idea. I still don't know. Don't feel the need to call about it. I'm just saying it was a thing that confused me. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, Qantas has been hit by another embarrassing flight incident this time, diverting its aircraft because the plane's toilets were full. It was flying from Sydney to Perth. It was forced to stage an unplanned stop in order to empty the toilets. The flight had originated in Honolulu, but the ground staff forgot to empty the toilets when the plane landed in Sydney. And I went to the plane's flight. Three of the toilets had stopped working. Uh. They told us that under reasonable calculation, the rest of them would go pretty quickly, said one businessman. All this discussion of toilets triggered an urgent call to go in as soon as possible. Uh, we did ask for more red wine to be brought on board, and we thought that this was a priority. This came after another Qantas flight was delayed 16 hours in London with a rudder problem. Passengers spent the night at hotels provided by Qantas. Last week, Qantas confirmed a small access panel had fallen off for jet between Singapore and Melbourne. The problem was discovered during a routine check. A man has been hit with a chair while installing a toilet. A 38-year-old Columbus man has been hit with a chair while installing a toilet. He told police he was helping a friend, 40-year-old Alfonso Reese, install a toilet at his home. Uh, when the man began arguing how to do the job properly, Reese began choking the victim, holding him against the wall. During the ensuing struggle, the victim was smacked on the back of the head with a folding chair, opening up a one-inch gash. Police were called, arresting Reese and charging him with aggravated assault. That is strange, isn't it? Uh, let's see here. Some games... I guess this is a geek watch. This is about kids and games. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here's your geek watch uh, for... Uh, what's it? Uh, Monday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. This high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar Dilemma, remember, you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Because we were wondering if the quantum flux... Now, just listen on there. There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Energize. This is for parents. Don't put away those video games yet. Today's gamer may be tomorrow's top surgeon. Uh, researchers at the American Psychological Association Convention detailed a series of studies suggesting video games can be powerful learning tools from increasing younger students' problem-solving potential to improving the nurturing skills of this, surgeons. This is a lie. These are Look, I, I love video games and all, but this is made up. So, uh, what about these kids playing World of Warcraft, the world's biggest multiplayer online game that can include scientific thinking? The conclusion, certain types of video games can have benefits beyond the virtual thrills of blowing up demons. In one study, 122 students in 5th, 6th, and 7th grade were asked to think out loud for 20 minutes while playing a game they had never seen before. Researchers studied the kids' statements to see if playing a game improved cognitive and perceptional skills. While older children seem more interested in playing the game, younger kids showed more interest in setting up a series of short-term goals needed to help them win the game. Studies at Iowa State University, they, uh, uh, oh, apparently they're conducting these surveys around the country, not just Iowa State University. Uh, the edge went to gamer surgeons 
They found, even after taking two account differences into age, years of medical training, and a number of surgeries performed on procedures. This is going to be, this makes no sense. This is going to be one of those, um, one of those stories that they, the studies that they find out is funded by the video game industry because mm-hmm. they do this about every seven years where they try to have some sort of a study released uh, that props up this kind of feeble theory that video games make you smarter, which when I was, I mean, which at least they've come past the it improves eye hand coordination school of thought, which is all they had when I was a kid. Like, because, you know, because the kids are blowing all their lunch money on space invaders or something, and the parents get all pissed off about it. And then they have to come up with some sort of upside to it uh, so that, the, you know, the parents will just drive video games out of town like Footloose style. And they would always say, well, it does improve eye-hand coordination, which is really, like, when would you ever really need, unless you're going to grow up to be Bjorn Borg, there's really no need for eye-hand coordination except to play video games. So that was, like, the, the only sort of, like, theoretical benefit they could ever really come up with. Uh, is that the extent of the Geek Watch? I believe so, yes. There's your uh, Geek Watch uh, for Monday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Man. I shall avenge you. Next. Oh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. Uh, we'll do these calls. We'll do one more, and then we'll uh, and then we'll take a break is what we'll do. Here's uh, what's coming up later on today. Uh, we will also have the top five. Top five songs whose meanings are still debated today. Plus uh, Corpse Watch, uh, Hick Watch, and uh, some other stuff. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, what's up? What's up, sir? Hey, um, I want to do a, make a comment about Kali. You kind of did touched I, on most of it. Did, uh, I, did I butcher it? No, no, all not right. at all. Okay. No, it really is the, uh, the Hindu goddess of death, says with the forearms and all that and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, hey, hey uh, um, another thing is you ought to think <laughs> about an intro for your show being the uh, episode of Family Guy PTV. Which is? The, the the FCC song. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, where they come in. His chin looks like balls. That? The fellows at the freaking FCC. Yeah, know. yeah, I know what you're talking about. All right. Yeah. Excellent. All right, thank you. And, hey, what's this sound like? Okay. Thanks so I much. I thought he was going to do the whacking it again. Yeah, I didn't know what we were doing there. All right, let's do one more. Here's Tim Riley. Oops. Hang on a minute. Okay. Uh, what's going on over there? Things just won't go away quick enough. That's... My it's, computer's a little slow today. I can, so there's, something, there's something weird uh, today. Not crazy in the air as such. There's some sort of everything's just Strange. a little bit off. Well, today. on a regular day, it's a little bit slow. But if you want to look at two things at once, it really doesn't like that. By the way, uh, it's just, I'm looking over there. You've got the biggest squash, Tim. Why, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, you've got the biggest zucchini. Uh, I have a big squash and a, zucchini. I have a big zucchini and a, <laughs> a, a giant squash. And they're all... <laughs> See, nobody else wants these. If they were covered with chocolate, they'd be gone by now. That's true. Uh, so what kind of a squash is that? I don't, I'm not sure. That's like, you know, squash look like weird alien food. Uh-huh. I mean, that's like I some... I like the little lumps and bumps, like that... those weird little pumpkins around Christmas. Doesn't... This kind of looks like a Halloween decoration. I was yeah. just going to say, doesn't it look like some sort of a fruit that has skin cancer, though? I mean, it's just it's all covered in... They're in grown organically from some Knobbly bits or something. I'm not a big fan of squash. I really am not. I, uh, I mean, uh, I'm not a fan. This zucchini could be a weapon. Yeah, no, I, when I, and of course they probably seem bigger because I was, I was a kid, but man, my mom would grow zucchini and it's, at a certain point, like you couldn't leave the house for a day because you would come back and the zucchini were like the size of a car. Uh, that's freaky things that just don't stop growing. That's the thing, man. They would just and they get bigger and and then of course and then they get to a certain point, I think, of the zucchini and they get big enough that they have kind of a woody sort of texture and they're completely inedible. Mm. And, and then it's like, well, what are you going to do with them? And I mean, we had a compost pile, but even the compost pile was too small to hold all the zucchini. And then you're, I mean, this sounds like I'm doing a. Re- this sounds like it ought to be a Reader's Digest article. Those darn zucchini. 
but you know, then but it's like you're putting them in bags and leaving them on neighbors' houses, like you're abandoning children in the middle of the night. Here you go, have some zucchini. You know, it's because it, it's, you can't use it all. So don't even get me started on the rhubarb. Here's Tim Riley. Well, Britain's MY5 spy agency wants gay recruits. After shutting them for decades over worries of blackmail, MI5 is now asking gay and lesbian people to consider a career as a spy, promising the chance to fight terrorists, protect their country, and earn a decent salary plus benefits. As part of their ongoing recruitment drive, they're wooing women, minorities, and people with language skills. Until a decade ago, gay people were seen as a security risk. And as recently as two decades ago... They were being witch-hunted and sacked for security reasons. They were being sacked. Yes. I'm sorry, this gay man uh, This gay man needs to be sacked. Put a black bag over his head. Sacked. Sacked. All right, never mind. Whatever. Are we taking a break? I believe so, yes. Sacked. He needs to be sacked. Whatever. Take a break. Back after this. Uh, more from Tim Riley around the corner later on. Top five songs whose meanings are still being debated. Uh, worst song you've ever heard. And uh, more so in uh, What Not and Hey Hey. And look at that. Back after this. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. Program, 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 program. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. All right, so this is very exciting. So I, let's see, where did his, uh, where did his name go? Is this Larry Sutton? All right, so here's the thing. So, um, you know, we have uh, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. She joins us. Busy couple of weeks for her. Uh, Nina Parker from TMZ. And so Richie Bristol. When this is all said and done, but when this interview is done, we'll do some more news. Remind me to have Richie come in. We gotta, I gotta ask something I wanna ask Richie. Uh, it's time for us to, it's time for us to scratch Richie's back for once. In really the most figurative sense. Um, but, uh, so Richie comes in the other day. This is like that day we were talking, we had the soundbite for the bug guy, whatever his name was. Bug dude in Iowa, the quit bugging me guy. And, uh, I just sort of casually mentioned, like, we should get that guy in the show. And literally, like, Four minutes later, Richie had somehow found him and gotten him on on the phone. And he was sitting there waiting on hold already. Sitting there waiting on hold. I mean, he did that with the kids of Whitney High. Uh, he's done that with, uh, I think he did it with uh, with Charlie Murphy or something. I think he did it with Roger Klein. I mean, it really is it's, it's very impressive. So Richie came in the other day and he's like, hey, well, maybe there's some other magazines we ought to talk to. Who else? And I think we just sort of threw out People Magazine, which I didn't really, I didn't know if it would be gettable or not, as they say. It, Richie comes in like five minutes ago. He's like, hey, do you want to talk to Larry Sutton, the editor from People Magazine? I'm like... Yes. Yes, I do. All right. He's calling in five minutes. So uh, well done, Richie Bristol. Let's welcome. I have no introductory music here uh, because uh, this is sort of a, a thing that Richie put together, sort of uh, ad hoc or a word like that. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from People Magazine, Larry Sutton. Hello, sir. Hey, how are you? I am fantastic, my friend. How's your day going? Oh, so far, so good. Today's our uh, closing day, our deadline day, so we're all busy scurrying around, making sure we have the latest uh, information out there, and uh, so far, so good. So, People Magazine, when does the new issue come out? Uh, Well, the new one, we go to press actually tomorrow morning, around noon or so is when the presses start running, and um, and then you'll get it, I guess, on the newsstands anywhere from uh, late Wednesday through Thursday and Friday is when it hits uh, all around the country. Well, because this is our first chat, let me just ask you a, uh, just a 
few sort of overview questions. Hey, mm-hmm. People People Magazine has been around for a long time. You guys have been doing, uh, I don't know if you're maybe the first celebrity-oriented magazine, but really one of the first or the gold standard a long time ago. How long have you guys been doing what you do? Oh, more than 30 years or so. It's, it's not all that long ago. Well, People was created actually out of uh, Time Magazine. We're all in the same company here. And uh, someone had the bright idea to notice that in time, a lot of the readers were turning to their People page, which was just sort of a roundup of the celebrity news of the week, and thought, you know, maybe uh, there's enough interest to make it a, an entire magazine unto itself. And indeed, there was, and we've been going strong ever since. Excellent. It's, it's like I've made this observation uh, in the past about uh, about USA Today and how if, if they were really – nobody ever listens to me. If, if USA Today <laughs> were – if they were smart, what they would do is, you know, USA Today costs 50 cents or whatever, but they ought to sell a version for 75 cents that's got like three copies of that purple section because that's the section that everybody in the office immediately goes for because it's the celebrity section, right? That could well be. Well, you know, I mean, it is a big business, and especially in the last, you know, five, six years or so, uh, for, for ages, for decades, people really had the field all to itself. But in the last few years, there have been, uh, oh, I guess, four, five, six, seven, eight even uh, magazines that kind of try and do the same thing we do. Of course, we like to think they don't do it as good as we do, but oh, uh, the competition's out there, sure. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever in your career, Larry Sutton, the mm-hmm. People magazine, have you ever gotten to uh, legitimately, honestly, sincerely use the phrase, stop the presses? Well, you know, I must say, I'm not here, but uh, prior to, I've been here about 10 years or so. Uh, before this, I used to work at the New York Daily News, where when in my youth, I worked the overnight shift, and I actually did, indeed, one day in a big police shooting, run down to the press room and did use those words. Was stop it just, was it a golden moment for you saying, <laughs> stop <laughs> the presses? You think that stuff never happens, but in those days, especially uh, on a newspaper, which is based on a, a quicker cycle, and they turn things around much quicker, uh, yeah, that stuff gets, actually does get said every now and then. So, I got to uh, tell you, there was, uh, there was a Major League Baseball game some time ago where there was, literally, there was a baseball player whose last name is Who, H-U, and oh, yeah. literally, he was on first base. <laughs> and no, and the announcer never said it. The and, and, and I, the announcer. How can you miss that? It's the obvious. That's of the thing. All right. Uh, so People Magazine. So the big stuff happening uh, right now. First of all, uh, so this what was this last weekend that uh, Ellen DeGeneres and Portia de Rossi uh, were married? Is that mm-hmm. true? And yes, indeed. In fact, uh, I can tell you that right now they're putting together a great feature. I believe that unless something big happens between now and tomorrow morning, that uh, that'll probably be our cover. We've got uh, some great pictures of the wedding, the ceremony afterwards. So we've got the the, the uh, Ellen and uh, Portia de Rossi together. We've got their moms. We've got it all. And, and the pictures, i got to say, they're just cute as can be. So. i got to say, now, obviously, Portia de Rossi is a very beautiful woman. But I, it, maybe this is maybe less obvious or mm-hmm. less predictable. But I find Ellen DeGeneres really hot in an odd way, too. I, there's something, <laughs> well, I'm sure she'll be glad to hear that. <laughs> there's something, I mean, you know, maybe let her know. If, you know, things maybe don't work out, you know, Rick Emerson is here to comfort her. But I, I find Ellen DeGeneres really attractive in, a, in an odd sort of way. Is, well, beyond uh, that, you know, she's also extremely popular. So, you know, her talk show does well. And it does well by by keeping low key. You know, she's not one of these people who sort of gets out there and yells and screams and shouts. She's she's very low key, and I think fans identify her, and that's why I think uh, a lot of them are going to be interested in seeing the pictures of uh, her wedding ceremony with Portia de Rossi. I do have to ask, uh, just to whatever extent you can mm-hmm. sort of reveal this, and you guys have got photos. Uh, I uh, what were they wearing? Uh, they were wearing, i got to say, lovely She Ellen was wearing a lovely uh, white suit, and um, Portia had sort of a pinkish, light, very light pinkish uh, dress. I'm not 
one of the uh, fashion guys here, so <laughs> you'll have to get other people to give you exact details of what they were, but I thought they looked great together. Excellent. Uh, my producer, Sarah X. Dillon, will be excited to know that uh, Donnie Wahlberg is about to be single again. Oh, well, yes, going. indeed. Uh, this uh, bad news for Donnie. Uh, his wife, Kim Faye, filed for divorce in uh, Los Angeles uh, using the old irreconcilable differences, something I guess you use when you can't figure out anything else. But in any event, uh, the wife is seeking sole physical and legal custody of the two sons, and uh, we'll see where that goes. But that, yeah, it just announced today. And maybe I'm, maybe I sort of am just not up on, on this portion of the celebrity culture. What is Donnie Wahlberg doing these days? Apart well, from... you know, the New Kids on the Block, which is where he made his name, uh, has sort of a reunion tour going. Oh, and everyone true. kind of laughed at it at first, and then they began selling tickets. And, you know, <laughs> they're doing okay. There's a big, big, big nostalgia thing out there for that group. Uh, we're talking to Larry Sutton from People Magazine. And uh, last but not least, this past weekend, uh, Madonna's 50th birthday, which I... I mean, maybe it's just me. I swear to God that we celebrated her 50th birthday like two years ago and maybe the year before that, but maybe I'm just hallucinating that. <laughs> that could be, but the real 50th birthday, at least as far as she's telling, and she's telling the truth because she's been around forever and everyone can remember her back to the days when she was just 20 and 21 and maybe even uh, a little younger than that. And, yeah, she did have a party in, in London, uh, a club by the name of uh, Volstead, which apparently is very trendy if you're there in London, a small party, not too many people there, but her husband, Guy Ritchie, was there, her children were there, and and they say that uh, most of the crowd of 90 or so guests uh, were dancing all night until about 3 in the morning. And they said one of the highlights of the birthday party, too, was uh, her daughter, Lourdes, uh, serenading her mom on the piano. Aww. So you can't get nicer than that, I uh, Before we go, uh, Larry Sutton from People Magazine, I must now ask, uh, strictly in terms of appearance, aesthetic, looks, what is your favorite Madonna era? Hmm. You know, I go back to those early days. I'll tell you a story. When, I, when Madonna was first on the scene here in New York City... She wasn't quite as famous as she is now, and I remember a time where she came up to me and a photographer and uh, begged us to take her picture and do a story about her, and that was during her, oh, I guess, uh, oh, that was very early on, you know, so she was just kind of wearing kind of punkish clothes, and that's when I liked her the best, because back then it was easy to talk to her. Now, not so easy. Well, she, I mean, you have to give it to Madonna. She had a plan, and she executed it pretty flawlessly. She did it well, i got to say. Uh, she knows what she wants to do, and, and man, she's got it done. All right, Larry Sutton, the new issue uh, goes to press print today, tomorrow, yes? Uh, yeah, tomorrow. We're going to press, and you'll see uh, some lovely uh, wedding pictures there from Ellen DeGeneres. All right, People Magazine, Larry Sutton. Thank you so much, my friend. We'd love You're to talk to you well. again. Okay, anytime. Uh, thank Bye -bye. you. Richie, if you want to uh, talk to Larry there real quickly. Thank you. Excellent. Well oh, done. so cool. Good poll, Richie Bristol. Fantastic. What can Richie not do? I don't know. Uh, so, uh, all right. And done. Okay. Uh, I was just going to make another observation about Madonna real quickly, and then an observation about Ellen. Then we'll do more news with Tim Riley. Then we'll talk to Richie Bristol. Then we got the uh, the top five coming out. Top five songs whose meanings are still debated. You know, here's another thing. Speaking of USA Today, and then we were talking about what is it? The CBS being a green company or something, or Kink being green or whatever. Yeah. I don't even really know what it means, but and I, I don't. I don't know either. It's like that thing about reducing the carbon footprint that doesn't make any sense to me because we're never able to figure it out. Anyway, uh, there is. I saw something online, and it seems like a thing that could either be fascinating or terrible. It was a USA Today quiz to determine how green you are. Uh, so if there's a slack moment later on, maybe we can do that. Let me just say this about Madonna. I saw a photo the other day of her, maybe like Lucky Star era Madonna, where she had like the lace in her hair. And like the black, uh, the the black br rubber bracelets or whatever, and she was wearing the like the boy toy thing. Boy, just, just there's just nothing hotter than that. I mean, I mean, I you know, I always I talk about like a prayer and how she looked hot when she had this sort of natural look going on and the auburn hair. But I got to tell you, back when she was just just looked like trash. She was so trashy. Oh man, like there a desperately seeking uh, Susan. Dude, you, there's just no worse. She's like white hot.
I mean, it really is just, uh, and I regret that I was not just a little bit older at that point because I think I was just young enough that I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't really into my adolescence, and so I, you know, I kind of went to school with some girls who, you know, in as much as you were allowed to do this at a Catholic school, who tried to get a little bit of that look going on, but I wasn't quite old enough to appreciate it. Uh, so, anyway, I have no point here except to say that uh, she was really hot and I sort of missed it. I was just a couple years too early to really sort of take advantage of the fact that there was a lot of girls, a lot of girls dressing like that. And you would have, you go to the mall and they would have these Madonna look-alike contests and it was like, it sounds creepy now because I'm 35, but I mean, then I was young. So, it, but you would just have this endless parade of like 17-year-old girls dressed like Lucky Star era Madonna. I mean, it was just like the best thing ever. Um, Ellen DeGeneres, blah, 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 not as interesting as I thought it was going to be, not going to make the point. Here's Tim Riley on KCMT Portland. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So there's another big storm coming in tomorrow. It's going to start on the coast. It'll start in the afternoon, and it's going to be very, very windy and very rainy. It's even going to snow in some places. Isn't that ridiculous? Uh, from New York. We're not talking to anybody from New York today, are we? Uh, no, we are not. A sidewalk in uh, Times Square turned risky with an entire window pane from a building. I saw that. Gave way. It shattered into shards and fell more than 40 stories out of the scaffolding. A pane of glass fell 40 stories out of a building. This is one Times Square. But that's like the third time it's happened. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jesus. Nobody was hurt, but police closed down Broadway from 42nd to 43rd for a short time. This is the third time of the week that glasses plummeted from a skyscraper. <laughs> On Tuesday, two people were cheated for after a glass panel fell more than 50 stories. From the top of the future B of A building across from Bryant Park, a man standing near the building on 6th Avenue was wounded when the 1,500-pound glass panel fell on some scaffolding. That's like full-on shades of the omen right there. I mean, it really is that's unnerving. That's really freaky. That's, but see, that's one of those things. Hey, did anybody see that article? That It wasn't even really an article. It was a, a one of those things that gets passed around the Internet. But now we've reached such a stage of advanced communication where in, in this in this you know the space of like a day you go from nobody having seen something to everybody in the world having seen it there was this thing that i got sent this weekend and it was a it was like a huge sort of graphic it was like a big jpeg but it was this sort of stylized breakdown of how men will die in the upcoming year in other words the cdc or whatever it is the organization that does mortality statistics they broke out causes of death uh, in terms of number of deaths by whatever cause, and they made it into like this big, colorful, sort of morbid-looking graphic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like, you know, drowning, you know, 7,000. Uh, choking on a walnut, 5. Uh, you know, heart disease, 700,000. So uh, I'm going to print that out and sort of keep it around just as a reminder of my own mortality. But the, 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 the glass falling 30 feet, you can't plan for that. You can't prepare for that. What are you going to do? You have no idea until it's right on top of you. So one must live as though it's, uh, as though it's one's last day. Well, now, as if murderers aren't bad enough in Southeast, now they have cougars running around looking to eat people. Uh, apparently, one's uh, on. walking around 134th and Foster. One, one woman came face-to-face with a cougar in her backyard. Now she's warning neighbors to keep their pets inside after dusk. That's when cougars are most active, especially in Southeast. Let me ask you this about cougars. Uh, so, when did that term start being applied to older women looking for younger men? I don't know. Because it seems real recent, doesn't it? Yes. Like, it's like MILF, you know? That seems like a thing that has really... I mean, MILF was... I heard it in American Pie, I think, for the first time. I think that's where most people heard it. Mm-hmm. But the cougar thing, it's like I didn't even hear that term until about four years ago, and now it's everywhere. So I sort of... You know, you'll hear people say, no, 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 my friends and I have been saying that for years, and I don't really know if that's the case. I, I sort of wonder about that stuff. 
Uh, you know, it seems like the etymology of certain words is not really adequately tracked. I would like to see more analysis done of how these words enter the popular culture. I know that I'm alone on that. Well, I'll do more research when time permits. The mayor of a male-heavy mining town in Australia created an uproar among local women over the weekend by inviting, quote, beauty disadvantaged women, unquote, to join the population of lonely men. Mayor John Maloney found himself under attack over comments he made on a local newspaper that read, May I suggest, if there are five blokes to every girl... We should find out where there are beauty-disadvantaged women and ask them to proceed to Mount Isa. The mayor added that so many women already live in the remote Queensland state, and they seem quite happy. Quite often, you will see walking down the street a lass who is not so attractive with a wide smile on her face. Now, whether this is a recollection of something previous or anticipation for the next evening, there is a degree of happiness. The quote published in the Townstown Bulletin sparked outrage among the town's female population. Wait, so there's lots of guys, not too many women, and so he thinks ugly women might have a chance. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, one has to admire his honesty. I mean, he's, he's just trying to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. According to the 2006 census, males make up 52.6% of the town's population and nearly 20,000. Uh, local women enraged by the mayor's comments protested, saying there aren't a lot of gems to be found among the men either. He wanted an apology. <laughs> Said uh, Ricky Lucasano to the Brisbane Times. Hey, who wants to hear a feminist joke? Oh, I do. It was sent to me by a woman, so I can read it. Uh, Kathy says, how many feminists does it take to change a light bulb? Six or seven. One to screw in the new bulb and the rest to organize the Survivors of the Darkness group. There you go. Thank you, Kathy. That's amusing. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir or madam, as the case may be. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm adorable. How are you? Always adorable, aren't you? Yeah, that's uh, true. I decided instead of asking all your everybody their favorite Billy Joel song, mm -hmm. you need to ask them their favorite Madonna song. Hey, that's you a good Madonna, idea. I love Madonna. Let's see their favorite. What their favorite is? All right, you have to start. What is your favorite Madonna song? Oh well, my favorite album is Erotica. And the favorite song would be probably the the name title Erotic. Erotic. Erotica. Erotica. Right. I just love it. That's it's the gayest nasty. thing I've ever done. Sorry. It's good and nasty. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right, there Best you go. Ever. Thank you uh, very much. We appreciate it. Sarah, favorite Madonna song? Hmm. I kind of like this used to be my playground. I feel like I had to go eat some beef jerky or something <laughs> to make up for that little thing I just did where I was... Anywho. Uh, you, uh, what? What is it? This used to be my playground. That's a great song. That's a really good song. Tim Riley, favorite Madonna. Mine is song. also erotica for some reason. Really? Yeah. It's not. It's, I mean, it's not a bad song. Kind of an. Uh, I think an, an overlooked album in some ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, because that was when she, that was after the sex book, yes? Right about the same time, but I think right after, right after. Uh, that she'd done that. So, and that had Human Nature on it. Mm -hmm. I um, like that song a lot. Human Nature's a great song. And I, uh, I don't really care, how do I put this? She, I, I didn't find her attractive as such, because was, she was all sort of bound up and cinched down and, you know, whatever. I mean, she looked sort of like, like some freaky kind of cat woman. Uh, but, you know, but she, it was very stylish. I mean, she had a good, you know, she had aesthetically, it was very pleasing in some sort of, uh, some sort of perverse way. But it, I didn't find her really sexy as such. And, you know, of course, for me, it's like a prayer, blah, blah, blah. Uh, oh, I found this quiz. Apparently it's, a, apparently it's a fun way to find out how green you are. Should we take the quiz? Yes. yes. All right. So here's the deal. We're going to take this quiz about how green we are in KCMD Portland. Um, then we'll find out if we can even help the kink people, you know, because, I we mean. We want to. Eh, yeah, I mean, you know, who knows? I tried to register, but there were too many steps. So I <sighs> it was hard. Yeah. Well, being green is difficult. It's not easy being green. Uh, so I guess Kink wants our help to do a thing and 
I don't know, ride a bike or because something. Because not so 1% can... of their people ride bikes. <laughs> because they're, quote, anemic. Point mm-hmm. zero nine. Yeah. How is that even possible? Why would you even register? That's just embarrassing. You would think that even accidentally you would break 1% of it. Well, that's why they're crying out for help. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, when's the last time? Have you guys ever had to go to the Kink Building? I've been there once. I'm sorry. Have you ever gotten to go to the Kink Building? No. Do you ever have? Do you go to see the Performance Lounge? Yeah, I was was going to, but by the time I got there, the performance I wanted to see was already What was it for? It was Jenny Lewis. She was in town. Oh, yeah. See, I went to see the Queensryche thing and then then the Indigo Girls. Uh, I don't think I'm allowed there. <laughs> you have to. There's a, some sort of a retinal scan of the door to see if you're uh, if you're if you're being granted. I don't, I don't think I've even passed the first step in being invited there. Well, you know, here's the thing about Kink. We always kind of poke fun at them because you know we're all in one building over here, and then there's the Coin Building downtown, and then Kink. It's like Planet Kink. They're like on their own. I like special, our like, building though. They're, you know, on a, on a flaming pie over there. Uh, but it's like they're in the same building as KGW, and so there's like all of these like you gotta before you can even go into the building at Kink. You have to pick up a phone, and it's like behind three layers of bulletproof glass. There's an operator who says, "Like, what are you here for?" And he goes, "I'm, I'm here to see Kink. Why? I work for CB. Well, hold on, you know." And then you, and then they have to buzz you in, and then you got to be buzzed through another thing, and then somebody from Kink has to come down and like lead you up the stairs, and it's all very. I mean, you really do feel like you're going into the sanctum sanctorum. Anywho, uh, all right. So this quiz is the "How Green Are You?" Down to Earth Guide to Global Warming Quiz. Uh, apparently, there's a fun way to find out exactly how environmentally responsible we are. We will go majority rule on these questions. Fun. Question one. You've just finished your bottled water, and now you've got an empty plastic bottle. Do you A, toss it into the nearest trash, B, find a bin marked recycling and drop it in, C, wash out the bottle and re-reuse, uh, reuse it a few times, then recycle it? I believe you're supposed to wash it out and use it again. Then recycle. Ah, but what do you do, though? Now, what I, do you I don't wash it do? up. I throw it away. You. You throw it away? Yeah. Trash or recycle? Or recycle. Sarah? I've had this same bottle for like a month. I, I usually just... Wash it, it out and reuse it? Uh-huh. See, so except, do I. Except if I'm at home, I just throw everything in the trash together. Good for you. Well, the, the problem is they changed the days where you can only recycle certain things and you can't do it every week. Well, I don't have time to look at this every week. We've got things to do. Yes, News do. together. All right. Well, the answer for us then is going to be wash out the bottle and reuse it because that's what I do as well. Uh, so I'm checking that. Next question. By the way, I don't think you're supposed to do that because somebody told me it gives you cancer. Somebody told me that if you're reusing, like, water bottles, mm-hmm. especially if you put any water in there that's hot or warm at all, uh, that the plastic will kill you. I don't know I don't know if that's true or not. Hmm. Have you heard that? No. Have you noticed this, that over the, uh, over the last month, speaking of things that nobody knew and that everybody knew, suddenly, what are those things, Nalgene, Nalgene bottles, whatever, mm-hmm. suddenly you're not supposed to use those anymore. Suddenly, it's all, now it's all about aluminum bottles. Aluminum things taste know. awful. Well, yeah. see, no, but I guess they don't have any taste. They make, there's this kind of aluminum water bottle now that you're supposed to use. Uh, Chris, Chris Paddock and uh, Susan Reynolds now use them, aluminum water bottles. It's so hard. This is why I never try to do anything good for anybody, because... First, it was all about the Nalgene plastic reusable bottle mm-hmm. because that was supposed to be good for you and environmentally friendly. Now, that gives you, like Alzheimer's or if you're a guy, it gives you boobs or something. Uh, and you're supposed to use aluminum bottles, but that doesn't make any sense because they always tell us aluminum gives you, gives you Alzheimer's. It's all very difficult. All right, next question. What kind of car do you want to drive when you get your license? I think this is for children. <laughs> well, let's say this. What kind of car do you want to get when you get your next car? Something big and commanding? A medium-sized car, but big enough for your friends, or a hybrid? Well, everyone wants a hybrid. Everybody wants a hybrid. All right, we'll say a hybrid. Next, when it's hot in your room, this is for children, you head over to the refrigerator and stand in front of the open freezer 
Crank up the air conditioning or head outside to enjoy the breeze. Crank up the air conditioning. Yeah, that's, yeah there you go. I had air conditioning. You just bought a new lamp for your room. What kind of light bulb do you use? 120-watt incandescent, 60-watt uh, incandescent, or a compact fluorescent? The 60-watt. Yeah, me too. Because those squiggly right. ones don't give off light. Don't, okay, I what? had a squiggly one in my um, bedroom, and I had to take it I out. I think they damage your eyesight. Hey, can we talk about squiggly light bulbs for just they're a second? They're useless. Uh, well, okay, not only are they useless, they're weird. First of all, it's... Here's an interesting thing about them that is kind of cool. You'll pardon the pun. They cool off instantly. You use one of those weird squiggly light bulbs, you turn it off, five seconds later, it's cool to the touch. It kind of freaks me out, actually. I don't know how that's possible. Have you noticed this? Do you have any of those weird squiggly light bulbs, that, but they glow in the dark? No. It's the strangest thing. Uh, I was in, I have a, we have a walk-in closet at home, and I had been in there picking out like a shirt or pants or something, and I've been in there, and I turned off the light bulb, and Lara looked up and she said, hey, wait a minute, this light bulb glows in the dark. And I ducked into the closet, and sure enough, I looked up, it glows in the dark. It's the weirdest thing. That is the weirdest thing. I don't know why light bulbs would glow, and it was like with the same sort of weird greenish kind of thing that all the glow-in-the-dark stuff does. And and then while I'm staring at it, she, of course, then turns it back on and blinded me for like the next 20 minutes. But it's the, weird, it's the strangest thing. Uh, all right, here we go. Next question on the green quiz. It's time to go to sleep, and you won't be using your computer for several hours. Do you, A... Leave your computer completely on so that you can get to your uh, whatever faster in the morning. Oh, no. B, put your computer to sleep. C, turn off the computer. I say turn off. I usually turn it off. I, I never well, I turn my computer mine. off, I mean, ever. It's a laptop, so I just close it. All right. So I guess so it's still on. Leave it on. I never turn my computer off unless I have to restart it because it's glitched up somehow. I never turn it off. Why would you turn your computer off? It just seems like you're wasting time. You think we have like nine hours to reboot the next day. Uh... Is this exciting at all? Are we interested no, in this quiz? No. This is I, turning I out to be interest. unbelievably tedious. It, it feels very kinkish. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna close this. Be gone, green environment quiz. All right, here's uh, not everything can be entertaining. Let's do one more from Tim Riley, then we'll have Richie Bristol come in. We'll do some other things, then news, then the top five. All right, let's do a religious nutcase watch. Here's your religious nutcase watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Pennsylvania prison, but won't be required to register as a sex offender, triggering outrage in the community where he plans to live. George Figley, who's 68, was convicted in 1975 on charges including statutory rape, indecent assault, and corrupting the morals of minors. Because uh, Figley's 1975 conviction predated the, the uh, passage of Megan's Law, he will not be required to register as a sex offender, and having served his maximum sentence, he is now put on parole upon his release. Uh, Figley's Neo-American Church, which authorities have called a sex cult. A sex cult. Operated a school in Harrisburg. I need to start a sex cult. Apparently it was a front for sexual activity. The church's manifesto says, We hold that the changes called uh, creation and procreation are divine and that human sexuality is the human's... You know, why do these... Really... Ah, never mind. Blah, 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 blah. 
The defendant's design was to operate a church-oriented school, which is free of any governmental regulation for the purpose of education, but the real goal was to gratify his own deviant sexual desires, a document. One of Figley's victims, uh, identified only as Jay, tells the newspaper she was part of the organization from the ages of 6 through 12, when her mother was a part of the Neo-American Church. Uh, children are beaten uh, for letting anyone but fellow cult members see them. And their genitals were pierced with a lock to be controlled by Figley, who called himself the light of the world. Uh, children were also photographed in graphic sexual poses. All right, hold on. Let me get the book. Uh, Figley is uh, not a man who should be out in society, said Jay. He prays on, at least he did, the people who believe in him. All right. Hold on a second. What is his name, Tim? George Figley. Spelled just like it sounds. Mm-hmm. F-I-G-L-E-Y. Mm-hmm. George Figley, sex cult. Where is this at? Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania, Harrisburg. Pennsylvania. He's a legacy from Harrisburg. All right, there you go. George Figley, sex cult leader in Pennsylvania. You are in the book. You will be dealt with in the appropriate fashion at the appropriate time. I was about to say that I need to start my own cult, but really, I think I'll give I'll give I'll give that a beat of a day or so before I make that observation in light of George Figley's behavior. There's your religious nutcase watch for. Uh, the love of God. By the way, uh, this email says, Rick, in the wake of the People magazine segment, Sarah asked, what can't Richie do? I would like to respond with, score with a hooker. Best show ever. Don. Here's another one. What can't Richie do? Take off his belt correctly. Ha ha. Let's see the belt. Richie Bristol, can you... I want to you... see what a $300 belt looks like. Can you uh, can you come to the studio, please? Uh, that would be uh, greatly appreciated. We'll have more from Tim Riley later on, and uh, we'll do the top five here in just a bit. Uh, Richie Bristol, please, now to the, uh, to the studio. All right. Hello, Richie Bristol. Hello. By the way, I want to say that, Richie Bristol, you are such a studying contrast. You came in with a $300 Gianni Versace belt, but today you are wearing a shirt that says, I swear, it says Viva McRib, which is fantastic. So uh, I covet that shirt. Now, that microphone is loose. Well, no, no, no. It's actually different. The springs are too tight, and so you pull the microphone and it snaps back. Uh, So, yeah, you put it off to the side or something like that. All right. So... For those who came in late, so last week we heard this interesting story from Richie about you were putting on this $300 Versace belt. You put it on too tight. You tried to get the belt off, but in trying to get the belt off, you just kept making it tighter. You didn't want to cut the belt off because, again, $300 belt, and you couldn't get a screwdriver in there to take it apart, and your brother was trying to help you, but it was so tight that you couldn't get it off, and you ended up wetting yourself. After wetting yourself, the belt was then loose enough that you were able to get it apart. Have I summed up the story accurately? Yeah. First of all, where uh, you don't have to get the actual store, but I mean, where did you buy the three hundred dollar belt? Like the mall or something? Or uh, Caesars? Oh, at Caesars Palace. Uh-huh. You bought it in Vegas. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Did you you, win, you win money, you go shopping. I did it like four or five times. You buy before or after your sunglasses with the earphones in them? Uh, before. Let me ask you this. Why a $300 belt? Why not choose? Because when you go to Vegas, you win, you lose. And while you're up, you spend that money and you go back with a little bit more money and you could either win. If not, you go back, you lose it, you got nothing. But I guess my question is, why a belt? Well, if not you... like... You know, again, why like, why, why not shoes? Why not the watch? Why not the... Because I was at Caesar's Palace, right? Yes. And, oh, Pete Rose was there. I took his picture. Um, Dude, every time anybody goes to Vegas, they see Pete Rose. How great is that? Yeah. The, 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 the first time I ever went to Vegas, 
we're on the escalator going through McCarran Airport or whatever, the people mover, and there's Pete Rose, who, Sarah, you may not know this, Pete Rose, uh, forbidden entrance to the to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame because he was gambling on, on baseball games. Oh, I saw that guy last time I was in Vegas. Everybody. The time before. What the hell? Why is Pete Rose? And so and, he, was sign, he was doing some, like, autograph signing out, outside of some place. And I was with a friend of mine who was from Philadelphia, and, of course, he played for the Phillies. And so we're there, and we're in, the, we're in, the, we're in McCarran Airport, and my friend Kurt's like, Hey, dude, it's Pete Rose. Pete, I'm from Philly. Pete Rose. And Pete's like, yeah, great, thanks. And he was like pulling the hat down, like desperately trying not to be recognized, but clearly was there to gamble, uh, in my opinion, my estimation. Yeah, he's old. How weird that, I guess maybe he figures screw it, right? He's not in the Hall of Fame. They're not going to let him, and he might as well just gamble all the time. Yeah. All right. Okay, so so why, though, a belt? Uh, I don't know. I sat down at a slot machine. I put $9 in it, uh-huh. and I basically walked away, and it went ding, 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 ding for 45 minutes. All right. 5,000 credits on it. Jesus. Okay. And so, so then I walked away, and I went around the corner, and there was a store. All right. Uh, but all now right. it's all tore up because so everybody is the belt? Know is trying to knock right here. All right. So let me see the belt. Yeah, no, you're, you know, you're not you allowed to see it. You can't examine it. What do you mean? You're not allowed to examine it. You have to put it on them and try and get it like belt. Oh, I just wanted to see what a 300 other belt looked like. But oh, you will. Do, look, um, look after. You should All right, well, look, do I, what is the deal? Do I got to take my belt off? Sure, I'll show you. Yeah, you want I, me to, so, I know yeah. how a belt works. I mean, well, well, all right. I'll show you. Well, let me take my belt off. It's frayed on the end now, but... Tons of people trying. It's just so weird. Anybody who walks by the studio just sees Richie and I taking off our belts. And then I'm sitting here and all the kids <laughs> me watching you guys. All right, here we go. All right, all right. Taking off my belt. It's free. I think this end. belt costs fourteen dollars. All right, all right. Let me. Uh, all right, Richie, are you gonna give Rick the belt I, now? Well, I was putting it on to show him. I. Oh, see, this is it. Is, now you're not gonna no, be able no, to get it off. No, no, he was no, gonna I'm put it putting on. the belt. Oh, see what? He's what? putting. No, 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 don't show no, him. For the love of Richie, God. Richie, remember we're going to see I if Rick can. If Rick can get it off. Right. All right. All right. I'm putting on Richie's belt. All right. How does it work? Is out. I'm trying to. It. I got to figure out how to put it on. Oh, All okay. right. Hold on. Your music has lapsed. All right. Just one second. There you go. Put it on. All right. Just, just like, don't pressure me. <laughs> I'm not examining it. It's, it's not like I'm Houdini trying to figure out how to cut my way out of handcuffs. <laughs> I'm just looking at it so I can figure out how to put the it on. Afraid. Right. I've walked around to all my friends said, "Hey, try this on. Try this on." I've, it's now used. Is this like the this belt is like the hate is way this, used? Does now. this smell rancid of the clothing world? All right, how do I how do I put it on? Sticking in the hole. <laughs> all right, uh, like that. Yep. And then I just pull it. Oh, you gotta. Oh, I gotta put it through this loop. Put it through the loop. It's all free. That's a three hundred dollar belt. People uh, were trying to pull it off. It. And Scott Daly tried it on last week. Oh, I'm sorry. I think I made a mis- may have made a mistake. Now I just want to go through the loop. I can't even get the belt. I can't even get the belt there on. There okay. Uh, all right. So there we go. Pull it tight. All right. So, so what does the front look like? It's just a crest. It's like the Versace. It's got logo. that blue shiny. All right. Crap. Okay. Okay. So now, how does the belt come off? You pull it tight and then lash it in. But I mean, what do I do with the latch? This is really gripping. People listen to me take a belt off. See, no, you're going to have to try and figure it out. We were making fun of Richie, so see if you can figure well, out. Well, that doesn't seem... Well, no, hold on. I think you're changing the you're changing the parameters here. The question isn't, can I figure out how the belt comes off? It's, can I take the belt off? Okay, take it off. Oh. In other, yeah, so, he said, pull it tighter than, than loose In other it. words, what do, I, what do I do with it? You have to pull it tight, and then there's the latch, and you loop Do I pull it... Uh, do you see what I'm saying? It's... How, tell me, what are the mechanics of how the belt works? It's, like, it's not like a puzzle. The question is no. simply, can I do it? Because you couldn't take it off. Yeah. I wasn't I mean, aware that I had to figure has... out the mechanics of it. <laughs> if you pull it tight. Yes. And then you pull the latch, and then it'll loosen. The... All right. This is making me really frustrated because you're not answering you have my to question. Pull the belt what do I do with the latch? Yes. Do I pull the latch this way? 
Yeah. Okay. Wait, wait, it goes... Uh, do you see what I'm asking? I, I need to know that I'm actually operating the belt correctly. you got to do it out that way. I don't even see how that would work. I don't even know. See, now now I feel like I'm... I think uh, you're supposed to pull the other side. Like, pull that... Pull the the end of the belt? Yes. And then grab the other side of that? This? Yeah, and like pull that? it tighter. See, I don't even know if I'm doing it properly. People are now listening to me <laughs> on the radio trying to take off a belt. Do you How see hard the, do, is it to take you, a belt hold off? Up, stop talking. Do you see the nature of my frustration? Yes, I just I don't know how to help you because I don't know how to take it off. That's what I'm saying. So the issue isn't can I take it off like with, because your thing is your girth. No offense, was what made it difficult because you, it was digging into your skin because you were large enough that the belt was too tight to take off. I'm asking before I even start. I need to know how the belt actually operates. Oh, that's a good question. All right, Richie. So does he pull the end? Okay, on the bottom right, on the bottom right down there. Yes. This right there. Oh, that. Yeah. Oh, now you pull it tight. Well, I don't know. I, I don't even really know. That belt is not. No, this is this is a poorly designed belt. This belt is dumb. You pull you the... <laughs> this belt is dumb. <laughs> Seriously, I don't even. Uh, this is. It's like it really. This is like some David Blaine belt. I mean, it's not even an issue of tightness. I just don't know how it. I just don't even know how it operates. Do you want me to help you? Oh, please, no, that would just be awkward. Okay. All right. So you pull that. You know, you you realize I'm going to have to have Richie put his hands around me and take this belt off of me, because I can't. I for the life of me, I cannot figure out how the belt comes off. All right. Well, this has been a fantastic segment, Richie. We take the we take my belt off, Richie. <laughs> oh, I'm not going near there. Uh, here. I can't just walk around for the rest of the day with this. this. All right, so pull there. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, you guys look so cute. Okay, now you're doing that thing of you're cinching it up. Oh, see, now I'm not going to be able to breathe. <laughs> That's great. Ow. Why do you have to cinch it? Crushing my pelvis. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> Ow. All right. There you go. You're free. I would have never no, been able to figure that out. It's still not off. The oh. belt is still not off. The belt is still on me. Boy, this is there, right. there we go. Well, this was a Can fantastic bit. Here we go. <laughs> no, it's like some it's like some weird Venus Venus flytrap belt or something. That's a belt that's uh that is not that's a belt that's not of this not of this world. Versace. All right, I'm not gonna. Okay, Richie. We'll... That is pretty cool that he got it at the Vers at the Versace store in Vegas. The same totally one the same one. All right, Richie. So this so that this segment's not an entire wash. Uh, so that right. we're, so this isn't just wasted airtime. Oh man, Richie, you've already destroyed this. Yeah. Before I said, I've already had. Like I think forty people try it on. I just want to make sure that. I think this ship may have already sailed, but I want to make sure that this segment isn't a complete loss. So Richie, uh, you've been very good lately about getting guests. I mean, not just lately, but I mean just in general. Uh, so, I mean, you know, you got the uh, guy from People Magazine, you got Dorothy Carcassari, you got Nina Parker from TMZ, uh, you got the, the kids of Whitney High, uh, you know, I mean, there's really just a ton of guests you've gotten for us. Uh, so now, uh, Richie, we want to pay you back a little bit. So the question is, uh, who could we book on the show that you would like to interview? Who would you'd we be excited about? Who, who could oh. we book on the show that you'd be excited about? I would be excited about? Uh, yeah. Alyssa Milano. Now, we've already had Melissa Milano, but we could probably get her back at some point. Really? You did before? A couple years ago at Max, we had Alyssa Milano on, yeah. Ooh. Uh, uh, who would, who, what's a guest that we could get, probably on the phone, uh, that you would be excited to talk to? Oh, on the phone. <laughs> I mean, all things being equal. Who's a guest that we could get on the show that you would be... Who are you interested in knowing a little bit more about? Yeah, somebody you could talk to. Guy, girl, doesn't matter. Whatever. Anna Kornakovia. She seems like she's kind of tempestuous. Yeah, seriously. I. Uh, what about somebody less bitchy? Oh, <laughs> so I was just gonna say that. How about somebody who's not a uh, doesn't look like a uh, like a like a raging bitch? How about the milf, <laughs> the original? What's that chick's name? I have no idea. The mom. 
on American Yes, Pie. I understand. I think the MILF is. Oh, the, the woman who played Stifler's mom? <laughs> yeah. All right. Fair oh, enough. I like her. Okay, so if we found she out. She was the one in Legally Blonde. We both like thing. Soup. That's her, right? She's right. the one from, uh, and she's the one from Waiting for Government. Yes. All right. And so if we get the true. woman who played Stifler's mom, you'd be interested in talking to her. Yeah, that'd be cool. All right, there you go. Okay, done and done. So uh, that's uh, I can't guarantee that it's going to happen because I'm no you, uh, but we will endeavor to find uh, the woman find who What's played the, the the woman who played Stifler's mom. <laughs> All right, seriously, we just spent eight minutes putting on a belt and then taking that belt off. Richie, I don't. I've tried using that latch a billion times, and it doesn't look like you even have to tighten it. You just push the latch, and it comes undone. No, because when you got pressure on it. And that's what I'm saying. The issue is not the belt. It's your girth. I mean, that really is. I hate to put it that way, but, I mean, that's it. It is the relative sizes of the belt and your circumference. So oh, when I tightened it. All right. Okay, so the woman's name is Jennifer Coolidge. All right. Well, we could do that. Jennifer Coolidge. Find Jennifer Coolidge. I'm on it like blue bonnet, Richard. She has, she has, like, wow, she has nine films. Either that she's just completed her post-production right now. So she's got stuff to pimp. All right, we'll look into it. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back after this. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth and the top five songs whose meanings are still debated. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. All right, we're going to pretend that whole awkward belt segment never happened. We'll take that whole thing out. Richie, I don't want to hear the belt business on the recap tomorrow. We're going to move on from that. Really, the only, I don't think it was as bad as you think it was. The only good moment there was the sound of me saying, it's crushing my pelvis. Get it off. All right. And, anywho, it's 503-733-2970. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Like us at 3, Michael Maris Show at 7. Uh, join us tomorrow when I guess we'll include... Wait, what's tomorrow? Tuesday. Tuesday. I don't know what our, I don't know who our guests are tomorrow. Uh... Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir, madam, as the case may be. Hello. Uh, I really enjoyed when you asked Richie who he'd want to interview, and his list was like who he wanted handcuffed and dropped on his doorstep. Really? That's a, who, who would he like to have access to with a roll of duct tape and a soundproof van? And his yes. interview would be that, like Chris Farley, you know. <laughs> Remember that time you wore that swimsuit? That was hot, wasn't it? Remember that time I put you in a pit in my basement and then starved you for two weeks? Yeah, those are good times. I do have one question, though, and I may have missed it. Yes. $300 belts, five cars. Thousands of dollars for hookers. How much do you guys pay an hour? Well, it's uh, it's a rarefied uh, position that Richie has here. We are uh, now. It, it didn't we deduce at one point that Richie was well. First of all, I do believe not to be not to be morbid about this, but I do believe Richie's had uh, perhaps, some older relatives uh, shuffle off their mortal coil and leave him uh, some uh, things and or perhaps a little cash. I don't know that that's the case, but I, I do think he's. And he I, has a lot of stock. Yeah, he has. He has stock, although apparently his intercom stock hit an all-time low. I guess it was just down to pennies, and so he just had to unload that. But I think he's had some relatives leave him the cars. I think that's where they came from, older relatives who passed away. Uh, and seriously. We, we, yeah, we, uh, we did deduce at one point, too, uh, that he apparently owns a lot of uh, oil-rich land in Montana. So that is actually true as well. Well, okay. Well, thanks for clearing that up. Yeah, he's a, he's a man of mystery, sir. Bye, Rick. Bye, Sarah. All right, thank Bye. you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth. It's Tim Riley. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Thunder, lightning, more forest fires. In one southeast Portland neighborhood, a family watched the storm pass over their home. And got a close-up view of nature when the lightning hit several trees in southeast and a power pole right outside their home. Nobody was hurt. Elsewhere, lightning strikes and downed trees knocked out power to several thousand southeast Portland and Vancouver residents. Crews quickly repaired the line and service was restored within moments. Typically, thunderstorms form in the afternoon after the sun heats up the earth so the clouds can build. 
but a southerly flow of air with more moisture than usual fueled the morning breakout. Coastal and Cascade Mountain regions can expect thunderstorms most of the day. Rain is expected tomorrow as a new storm system comes in, and it's going to be extremely windy on the coast, and it could rain in the mountains. By the way, somebody's noted that however tedious that belt segment may have been, uh, at least I didn't wet myself. You know, so thanks. <laughs> and, you know, here's a question about that. Richie, please don't come back into the studio for this, but I'm just sort of musing. Here's a, I'm just wondering this out loud. Richie was talking about how he got that belt caught on himself and then he wet his pants. Now your pants have a zipper? I mean, really, it seems like there's maybe more than one way to, uh, to skin that cat. I mean... You know, I'm just saying. All right, here's Tim Riley. Let's do a hick watch. Here's your hick watch for a Monday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Copenhagen makes me feel secure. Copenhagen, way out in New England. When I'm wondering when my mouth goes spitting, slobbering all around the house. Hell. Makes me feel so good. Here's your hick watch for Monday. A Texas school district will let teachers bring guns to classes fall. Experts are, says it appears to be the first uh, measure like this in the United States. The board of the small rural Herald Elementary uh, School District unanimously approved the plan, and parents are not objecting to it. What could go wrong? Uh, schools are back to claim that Herald, a system with about 110 students, 150 miles northwest of Fort Worth, may be the first to let teachers bring guns to the classrooms. It's a matter of safety, they say. We have a lockdown situation. We have cameras, but the question is... What if somebody gets in? That is a good question. What are we going to do? It's just plain common sense. Teachers who wish to carry guns will be certified to carry a concealed handgun in Texas permit. They also have to go crisis training and get permission from school officials. Recent school shootings in the U.S. have prompted some calls for school officials to allow students and teachers to carry legally concealed weapons in the classrooms. By the way, when they talk about arming all the teachers in the school, I'll think about all those studies we uh, you know, we read about how teaching is like one of the most stress-inducing jobs on earth and results in a disproportionate number of mental breakdowns. Mm -hmm. So think about that. Always remember, more guns in a place make you safer. Uh, there's your uh, hick watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Copenhagen makes me feel so Time for the top five. Here's your top five for Monday. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Wonderful counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? Ladies and gentlemen, here is Tim Riley with your top five for Monday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. And like best pieces of artwork, music can occasionally lead to debate, discussion, and outright puzzlement. Nowhere is this uh, true more than in the world of rock and roll lyrics. For bafflement is often the key to a song's uh, longevity. These are right. the top five songs whose meaning is still debated. Oh, wait, hold on just one second. I'm sorry. I've... I'm sorry I've made a terrible... I've made a huge mistake. One moment, please. One moment, please. <laughs> please stand by, ladies and germs. All right, I... Uh... Hold on a second. Wait, just one moment. One moment, please. Your top five is being taken in the order it was received. 
All right, uh, give me just one second here while this uh, while this buffers. Uh, so uh, these, I created this this morning. These are the top five songs uh, whose meaning, lyrics, etc., uh, are still being debated this day. And it, really, the only proviso we made here uh, was that there was going to be no Bob Dylan allowed because because. Once Nobody you, knows what the hell he's talking. Well, about. that's the thing. It's like the Beach Boys and car songs. Uh, like once you start allowing Bob Dylan songs in a list like this, then it just becomes nothing but Bob Dylan songs. Yeah. Uh, so these are the uh, the top five non uh, Bob Dylan songs whose meaning is still being uh, debated and discussed. I say vamping, killing time, waiting for something to buffer. Uh, okay, uh, Tim. Honorable mention goes to the Beatles, "A Day of the Life." We'll see how much time I have here before this catches up. The reason this is the honorable mention, by the way, is because I think over the years uh, they've sort of deduced what most of it is about. And a lot of it came from newspaper articles that John Lennon had read. Uh, but I think there was a guy who took his life in a car with a handgun and whatever. And hey, hey. Uh, so I think a lot of the meaning has been sort of sussed out over the years. Here's a fun fact. Uh, Microsoft Word doesn't recognize the word sus, which is sort of interesting. Hmm. So, anywho, uh, Day in the Life, I think it's sort of been explicated as time has gone on, but there was a great amount of effort put into deducing the meaning of the song, especially because so much of it tied into the alleged Paul McCartney death hoax and, you know, all of that, that Paul is a dead man, miss him, miss him, and, you know, whatever. I heard the weirdest thing. I was watching that Beatles anthology, which is just fantastic, 11 hours of Beatles, and... Uh, George Harrison has the actual tape of the very first time John Lennon ever played this song. Uh, it's just it's just so haunting, and, and it sounds just like this. I mean, it's like the beginning of just him and his voice and the piano. It sounds just like the finished product, but you hear him count off, uh, and then he just does that dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, the piano, and then he says, you know, I read the news today, oh boy, and it's the very first time Lennon ever sang that on tape. It's just unbelievably haunting uh, and chilling uh, to listen to. But I just have to look, having read the book. This sucks. Wow. All right, counting down the top five songs whose meanings are still discussed and debated. Number five, Meatloaf. I do anything for love, but I won't do that. Yes. Let's see if I can. There we go. So obviously the thing about this is that every you know, blah, 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 what is that? Blah, 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 blah. And to the extent that I don't even have the stomach to discuss it anymore. Sarah, can you enlighten the people as to what the song's about? I believe... The song is alluding to the fact that you will never screw around on her. Yes. Because it ends, you know, uh, we cater to every kind of thing. Woody Hosey on the great time, blah, blah. Right. But at the end, he's like, um, sooner or later, you're going to be screwing around. Exactly. Uh, but, but I think it's just... People don't actually bother to listen to the song, and so then they're not quite sure, you know, what he's talking about. But yet, the, that is sort of betraying her for somebody else. Great song, though. I mean, really just a... I mean, we, we find a reason to play it, like, once a month. Mm -hmm. Uh... But it really is just an exceptional song. Just a, a, just a great composition, a great performance, a great everything. I was so obsessed with the song when it came out. It was in eighth grade. Well, yeah, especially because if you were in eighth grade and you had not heard the original Battle to Hell, in other words, if you weren't familiar with Meatloaf, mm -hmm. if this was, if you came to this song with no prior knowledge of Meatloaf, it would be even more revolutionary. Because I mean, really, what else on the radio 
even now sounds like this. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah, this is the first, yeah, the first I'd ever heard of him. There's just nothing that sounds like this. Nothing sounds like a Jim Steinman song. All right, count it on the top five songs whose meanings are still discussed and debated. Number four, the Bee Gees. I started a joke. Wow, I hate this song. Everybody does. Yet it keeps getting played. So, I mean, I was trying to be fair and sort of impartial, which is why I put it on the list, but you listen to it, it just makes no sense at all. I started a joke, which started the whole world crying. And, and here's the thing about this, is it, it seems like you ought to be able to figure out what it's about. I mean, that's what makes the song so frustrating, is it seems like the answer ought to be self-evident if you listen to the song enough. Uh, but, of course, it's not. And so then it just, you know, it just ends up being one of those songs that, like, every, every like, drunk guy, you know, at a bar has to start talking. What do you suppose that song's about? Oh, I used to have to play this song all the time. Ew, I don't like this song. It's a terrible song, and I don't dislike the Bee Gees, like, a lot. I mean, there's a lot of people hate the Bee Gees, and I don't. Uh, but I hate this song, just with everything in me. It really is weird to think that these more more compelling than the actual lyrical content is the idea that these are the same guys that did uh, you know staying alive. It's kind of weird how they sort of uh, morphed into a different kind of band as circumstances required. All right, let's be done with this. These are the top five songs whose meanings are. Is it meanings are top five songs whose yes. meanings is are meanings are. Meanings are. I was, I was, I had this weird brain lock about it this morning. I couldn't figure it out. Here's Tim Riley. Number three, Carly Salmon. You're so vain. Oh, I've played this ten million times. I love this song. I can't it. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me want to take my own life. I heard over and over again in the days of my youth it was Mick Jagger. See? I was heard it was Warren Beatty. I think there are only two schools of thought. Here we are again. We're doing that thing. That's the great thing. That's the irony of this list, by the way, is that we're sitting here doing the same jackass conversations that every DJ crew does. Let me just pull up a chair here. Oh, it's a great song. You got, I, I have to say it's a great song. I can't. I can't deny that. I can't. I can't pretend that I hate it. Um, and this album is everywhere. Oh, yeah. There's so many copies that it will never be extinct. You can walk into any used record store. There it is. It's like that Sean Cassidy album that had the Do-Ron-Ron Ron on it. Uh, just everywhere you go. Um, but there's only two schools of thought that I'm aware of. One is that it's about Warren Beatty. The other is that it's about Mick Jagger. And, of course, the Mick Jagger possibility is even more tantalizing because he sings back up on it. Huh. So there's, a, there's one sort of belief, which is that she kind of stuck it to him. You know, a, a little bit extra by having him sing on it, oblivious to the fact that it was, in fact, about him. Uh, and so that's kind of cool. That's a, that, I think that's the one I choose to believe only because there's a little extra, little extra layer of, uh, of snark there to it. What is the clouds of my coffee thing even about? I'm not doing coffee creamer. But I mean, what does that have to do with the rest of the? That's a line. Here's that thing about I had this. I had the, the, the clouds on my coffee. Clouds on my coffee. I bet that that was just there to fill out the meter, and she could never think of anything better to replace it with until she left it because it but sounded then, deep. Exactly, and since the song's so mysterious anyway, she never has to describe it. Totally. She never has to explain it. Exactly. When I, when I was a kid, I thought it was clowns in my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't dream there were clowns in my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hi. Honk. <laughs> That's so much better. So let's start that as a new DJ. Clowns in my coffee. That's fantastic. But you're right. I mean, she never has to explain what it means Only because she never talks knows. about the song. Uh, well, she there was that thing where it's the like contest. you want a contest yeah, or something. Five hundred thousand dollars or something. So yeah. The one person he had to sign that contract to swear that he would never tell anyone who it's about. I mean, which is a great little sort of you know, it's a great little business gimmick of hers. She better leave it in her will. Oh yeah. What if she dies she and never won't. tells anybody? Yeah, you're right. I think that she'll probably she'll like take it to her grave. Oh. Will. Oh. See now, I'm, now I'm already preemptively bitter about it. Counted on the top five songs whose meanings is meanings are still debated. Number two, the Eagles, Hotel California. Jesus. All right. Let me just skip ahead here. Let me skip ahead further. Let me skip ahead still further. Too long. Okay. I'm not even going to bother with the whole warm smell of colitis. And I think that's a made-up word, like pompous. Colitis? That's what he says. You know that. Like a dirty body part. Doesn't it? It does. That's what I was thinking. But that's what he says. On a dark desert highway, cool wind in my hair. Let's let Don Henley say it. I have to admit, I still love this song. I've never gotten tired of it. And I don't know if that's a real word or not. Somebody told me that it was like an American sort of, like a butchering of a of a Spanish word. And then somebody said that he made it up like pompadus of love, that it's just like fabricated. Because pompadus of love means nothing. So growing up, I was always told that this song was about the satanic church. You know, like everything is. Uh, because he has that line about we haven't had that spirit here since 1969, and that's like the year that Anton LaVey wrote the Satanic Bible, and blah, 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 blah. Isn't it spirit as in alcohol? Yeah, yeah but that's because oh. you're not a crazy Christian. Oh. That's because you're not a nutcase uh, Catholic school teacher. I like this song still, too. It's a great song. I've never gotten tired of it. My friend Charlie has this theory that you hear the song once a day, though. Somewhere, no matter where you you hear the song once a day, somehow. Yeah, it is the I Love Lucy of songs. <laughs> anywhere in the world, they hear it somewhere. Oh, also, the Satanic Church uh, was on California Street. <laughs> it's got one of the all-time great guitar solos though at the end. I mean, it really—I have to say this—and this is even before my time—but they really don't make epic songs like this anymore. I mean, they kind of stopped that. Uh, you know, like around 1991, I think they stopped writing epics. Except for that Knights of Sidonia uh, song. Remember that we're both kind of obsessed with? No. That, that Muse song? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was the most epic sounding song I've heard in a really long time. Uh, all right. Counting out the top five songs whose meanings are still debated. Tim Riley. Number one, Don McLean, American Pie. Is it you that hates this song, Tim? It's not really. You don't need to hear it anymore, though. I, I remember kids singing this on a bus on the way to football games in high school. <laughs> really? That's kind of cool. I think there have probably been, I mean, I'm just guessing, I would imagine that there have been actual like, college 
like theses written about this, yeah. or, or just like dissertations about this song. And he's another guy, you know, he knows where his bread is buttered. He's never told it. He's never said what it's about. And I think he trademarked the phrase American Pie. So I think when those movies came out, I think they had to pay him a huge chunk right off the top. Well, the other thing about the time this song came out, there was nothing like it. No. If you look at the other songs around, like, the top four, there was nothing like this song. There, that's right. I mean, it's still, and really still, there, there, there isn't. I mean, I would say this is a one-of-a-kind song. I can't think of anything else that is like this song. Because it's not an epic, like, a Stairway to Heaven type where it rocks out or whatever, but I... What about Queen Bohemian Rhapsody? That came after this. That came, but that's a like different... Five years that's like after the separated this. Part. Maybe, but that's almost a different kind of epic. That's, again, almost like a Stairway to Heaven thing where it, it starts in one place and it builds and turns. It's almost like a mini, like a mini operetta or something with, like, little movements. This isn't in different movements. I mean, it really is all just the same song structure. But, I mean, it... And this would have been a different world than that. Like, 69, 70 was much different than, say, 75 or 76. And Bohemian Rhapsody, a lot of the epic is how that song sounds and the production style, where this is all about the lyrics. This is this is a completely lyrical epic. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in history of the world, back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the hour all the way through Like It. We don't have... You know, if I had another hour, we would just dissect this song, but we don't have time to do that. Great song, though. It's a great album, actually. This whole album is really good, and it all gets overshadowed by this one track. Uh, it's a great album. I love, oh, um, Starry Starry Night. And, and there is a song on this album called Babylon, which is like one of the most beautiful things ever. All right, we take a break. Back after this on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. All right, now I've gotten like 10,000 emails about Colitas. This one guy says, it's not Colitas, it's Colite Dust. I think he's making that up. Apparently Colite is like a thing by the side of the road and the dust is, that's made up. Uh, Oh, and don't forget tomorrow we should talk about the thing that you and I were talking about. Oh, yeah. No, I've, I've written that You've down. You've written it down? Yes, we'll get to that concept, tomorrow. Or, uh, why? Hello. You're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's going on? What's up, sir? Uh, I just wanted to talk to you about uh, colitas in the meaning of Hotel California. Yes. Uh, colitas are the top buds that grow on the top of uh, marijuana plants, and the whole song is about rehab. And so this is uh, knowledge you have obtained how? Uh, through other people. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, fair enough. I asked, you answered. All right, thank you, sir. Yeah, no problem. And what's this sound like? Okay. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. This one, uh, Rick, the lyric is, Al- uh, you see, here's another guy saying that it's like another a dust thing. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's uh, up? The connection Mick Jagger has with You're So Vain, listen to it on headphones. He's singing backup harmonies. With Carly Simon. Right, yeah. So that's. So I doubt whether it's about him. See, the theory was always that, that she was actually. Maybe she was messing with him a little bit? Yeah, that she was screwing with him so badly that she wrote a mean song about him and then actually got him to sing on it as well, which, you know, which makes us such an ego, you know, maniac. You know, he'd probably find that uh, probably find that amusing in a weird way. All right. Th- thank you, sir. All right. All right. Out. No time to be fair to another caller. We'll uh, wrap it up here. Like us next. Michael Mara's show at 7. Uh, we want to thank CNN Radio correspondents uh, Amanda Moyer in Florida and uh, Lisa Desjardins from the Hill, uh, as well as 
Oh, his name escaped me. Lance Sutton? Lance. Larry Sutton. Larry. Larry Sutton from People Magazine, and thank you to Richie Bristol for doing that. Uh, join us tomorrow when I guess we'll include Joan Embry from the San Diego Zoo. Uh, Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM970. The talker in the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeepers, Dave's in. Webmistress is Bridget from upstairs, director of engineering, Brian Jones, and CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Don't F with me, Reynolds. Uh, and we'll see you all tomorrow at 10 for the recap, 11 for the show. Be safe. Watch out for snakes. See you all then. Bye now. Yes, Richie, we can all see your nipples.